record here and we're gonna go in three two one action well what do we have here we have mr max mortimus welcome you're all grown up now living on your own and got friends and partying in university <laughs> you came to visit us how are you I'm doing fine, actually. I have been, have had a good good time here. So oh, yeah. what, what nothing I... crazy new. Just not a. I mean, it's a bit new going to school again, but mm-hmm. it's been all right. It's so different seeing you. You actually have some light. You know, usually you're like in some dark attic. Like that's where everything happens. <laughs> you know, but you know, you actually have some yeah, sunlight. I mean, I usually keep my door open back at home when I'm in my room, but that's about it. Well, anyway, uh, we have a podcast to record, and we have an intro to drop. So I'm going to do that, and then we'll catch up with you in a minute. Okay? Yeah. Nitro is the glory. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast with your hosts tonight, Keenan White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. And if you are unlucky, the Finnish village idiot, JQ. This is the RC Podcast with no name, but plenty of content. So sit back, relax and get ready for some serious bench racing. Yes, 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 indeed. Nitro's the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 142 of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keena White, a.k.a. Left of the Great. And to my virtual right is uh, university student Max Mort. Uh, <laughs> so what's up, Max? Um, yeah, all is good. Uh, life is treating me good. Uh, so yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Oh, uh, I kicked my camera. Yeah, I see that. Your ring my, light. My setup, my yeah, my setup is a bit janky here. It's uh, <laughs> all right. It's, uh, it's a bit gypsy way to do it, but we're yeah, fine. Yeah, at least you're getting it done. At least you're getting it done. Um, we're gonna talk about you and your university after uh, I say some thank yous and whatnot here, Max, and some condolences. But first off, I want to say thank you and shout out to all of the NNRC squad around the world. About you guys, we can't do this. It seems you guys really enjoyed the Ryan Pavitas podcast last week. Um, we're trying to get uh, be a little bit shorter on our podcast, get through them faster as well. You know, five-hour podcasts once in a while is okay, but not all the time. So thank you to all that uh, downloaded that and listened. If you haven't, go check it out. It's on YouTube everywhere. Podbean, iTunes, everywhere like that. It was a good chat. Uh, thank you for you guys for your support. We can't do it without you guys. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you to the patrons of the NNRC, another group of people that go the extra mile. Thank you guys for your extra support. Um, you guys will, they, you know, this week's kind of been messed up with me. I was planning on having everything done yesterday and just recording with Max here. This is Thursday. But, uh, my, you know, I had electricity issues. So now, uh, I, you know, I have to get an inverter or something here in the 
office. But um, yeah. I they probably That's won't get world for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> my house had electricity. My house, which is literally around the corner, had electricity, but I didn't have electricity here all day yesterday. So I couldn't record with my guest, who I'm recording with today, who is Jr. Sitman, uh, who is the uh, the founder and president of Norca, who was the guy who started Norca mm-hmm. and all of that. So it's a good chat with him. And uh, I can't, you know, yeah, I want to get, it'd be interesting so people can hear his, his opinions on why he started Norca and all that type of stuff and whatnot. So anyway, the patrons will get that early this week uh, because they're a patron. And if you wish to be a pat- a supporter of the podcast and go the extra mile, you can at patreon.com forward slash NNRC podcast in all caps, except for the podcast. Just, that's just normal podcast. So, yeah, uh, every little bit helps, and I greatly appreciate and thank you to all the patrons. Thank you to all the sponsors of the podcast. They are Mayako. I'm getting excited. I'll have my car soon. Beach RC. I was talking to Brent earlier this week. Thank you for their support. TNR Fuels. I saw Cavalieri running their fuels this past weekend at JBR. We took a picture of him, so that's probably a sign that he's going to be running them. High Tech RCD. I got my new charger. Max, I sent you the screenshot geeking out over it. Like, we can follow that on our on our phones and I can start it and all that stuff. So happy about that. Techno RC was watching the um, icebreaker 5150 movie. We're going to talk about that later on, but uh, Techno RC featured heavy in that sun city RC raceway. They are gearing up for the U S open in October lugs racing tires. So lugs racing tires, they've been on the podcast for over a year for just, just no, just under a year now. And uh, lugs racing has over 55 years of combined RC experience. They've been testing treads, tires and wheels for performance. Um, they just launched their long wear tread that you can now pick up, uh, with their popular pro, uh, popular tires that are in their premier brand, which are the Protos and TQs. You have the Lugs Econ tires, which use uh, old molds, but high quality rubber to give you uh, the savings that you as a basher or maybe a beginning racer need. So you can get maybe not the best tread patterns, but you can get the same uh, rubber compounds and use them and they are a bit cheaper. So you can go to www.lugsracing.com, use the promo code NNRC lugs in all caps, save 30% off your order. They also have tires in medium, soft, super soft, and mega soft, as well as the long wear. Uh, check out the Protos and TQs. Those are their premier tires and they got some truggy tires in too. So good stuff to lugs. Good to see them growing. And uh, remember showing them some love shows the podcast and love manscape.com i need yeah all supporters out there christmas is coming up max spend some of that money that you made while you're working and uh go over to manscape.com and join the two million men who are joining manscaped and uh two million yeah over two million men worldwide that are into this new manscaping thing I've been manscaping for many years. I've been using the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 for now over six months. I have not cut myself. I'm a happy man. My wife is happy. We're all happy. So cut through the jungle to find your manhood. Also, that weed whacker. Oh, man. Man, when you get older, Max, and you start growing hair out of your other orifices, like your nose and your ears, you're really going to like that weed whacker because it just gets up there and you know, gets rid of all that hurt and it charges up, even charges up on a USB port. 
of the new high-tech charger, which I made a commercial about doing that the other day. So you guys can help out the podcast, help keep Manscaped a part of the podcast because it is not a RC brand. We have had this for over a year. I like to keep them on. So go tell your wives you what you want for Christmas, non-RC related. Get yourself uh, um, a performance package, a weed whacker. They, the, the nail clippers and stuff are really good. The boxes are great. You won't regret it. Get some of the ball moisturizer too. You won't regret that, trust me. And uh, you can do all of that by going to www.manscaped.com and using the promo code no name in all caps, and you will save 20% off your order and get free shipping. So thank you to Manscaped, and please, everybody, go get yourself uh, Manscaped and cut through the jungle, and it helps out the podcast. Also, shout out to Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, a longtime supporter of the podcast. Uh, they've coming up with something new. I saw him post some pictures of some banana, so maybe he has a banana-flavored uh, or smelling flavored smelling traction compound coming out but uh scooter has been a long time supporter of the podcast and yeah yeah like he does in he does in sense so he has like different watermelon yeah, I mean, what's going on like come on yeah people like it <laughs> for drag racing no for drag no, no racing, i kind of get it because they have to use it but for yeah, like an off-road and like oval your car smells like a banana like come yeah. on guys hey I remember what when are we, doing? we yeah. used to put scented uh, scents in our nitro fuel. You didn't know. Oh that. yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, but so, you didn't do it for like performance. No, you, you did, did it for, for like for, hanging around, yeah. like after the race is over. <laughs> yeah, but we did it just to smell different. Um, go to www.papawillies.net. We have a promo code which saves you ten percent there, and it's NNRC in all caps. Thank you to Scooter and Papa Willis for their continued support. Uh, shout out to Donathan RC. I'm geeking out over my, 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 oh man, I didn't even have them. Um, I was I had this little handful of cables here. They are working great. Uh, I actually have to probably place an order and get some, now some cables with some XT90s and I need to get some adapters made for my, for my, um, my new charger because it takes an XT60 in. And then like, I want to, uh, I'm going to make some adapters, which Zach does for bullet connectors. Uh, so check them out. Geek out on your cables. I am, and they are quality cables. They are going on vacation for a bit, so you do have a bit of a wait time. But a small business in RC, everything is crafted in America using quality products. And these guys really take pride in their work. And you can save 10% off any orders over ten over $50 with the promo code NONAME10. Thank you to Donathan RC. And thank you to Racecraft USA. They picked up on our last podcast and put our video up there of me talking about them last week. You can check that out. Great grunter guys. Uh, I like what their enthusiasm and their energy in RC. Their product is awesome. Check them out. Get yourself pitted with a command module. Use promo code NNRC squad and you save 10%. RCGP, we heard that episode four is coming out soon. Great. That's awesome. And they obviously had to uh, cancel, which would have been the third, fourth round because of COVID. But uh, talking to David plans are still a go for next year. It just matters on it matters on COVID if that happens. And of course, shout out to House of RC with their new 1.3 version. I know I'm saying we're gonna go shorter, but I went kind of long that I do apologize, guys. Remember, showing the sponsors some love shows the podcast some love. We have links with all the coupon codes codes in the written description of this podcast and also on that link tree link. Please, guys, click on that link. It helps me out. Uh, I pay for that. So I want to make sure I'm getting all the analytics analytics, analytics from that. 
And also, if you go and check us out on YouTube, don't forget to hit that sub, notification, dislike, or like button, and leave a comment. And also, don't forget to leave reviews on Apple iPod. Uh, and just, yeah, help us out. Like, help push the NNRC more out into the ag- algorithms and get our message out there. Um, before we go on any, into what we're doing, uh, Max, we have a few condolences we have to send out. I'd like to send our condolences out to Nick Watlett, Wally, Wally Builds and his family. They lost their sister last weekend. Very young lady. Uh, I, I'm not sure how she passed away. Um, she doesn't have anything to do with RC, but Wally's our friend, and anybody, you know, he was close to his sister, so it's very sad. So our condolences go to Nick, Caitlin, and all the Wally Builds family and the Watlett family. Todd Putnam. Uh, I did not know this gentleman. I've heard his name. He's synonymous in the um, in the Oval Road, but the Oval World, and well known there. He used to work for Trinity uh, before, but really big in the, in the Oval Road. And um, a motor guy, this guy apparently was. He's really a genius with motors. And um, yeah, unfortunately, he passed away this last week as well. So I'm not sure what happened there. And then uh, another f- fellow racer, I don't know him. Uh, I saw Tim Lyon posted this, and then I was talking to my buddy. He knew him. Uh, Cody, our condolences go out to the Ginger Dovec sandwich. Sorry. Jan Jodrovic family, uh, their Cody passed away this past week, I believe, as well. So it's always sad when we see uh, people in our RC community pass away. We don't want to see that. So our condolences go to everybody who's involved with that. And um, you have, uh, you know, just it's sad to see. All right, Max, real quick. So university life. So I asked you, you've been partying. Is it all been partying and, and women? For the last three weeks, or has it actually been like what's university life? Because you're actually doing your unlike Joseph, who just went to university to do the classes and did not experience university life. You are there living and experience experiencing university life. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think he lived university life for a bit, but not definitely for the whole period, whole time. It was he went sort of uh, the a little bit different route, but. Um, for me really uh it's so far been just like pretty much like hanging out with people just starting getting knowing people and knowing the school and there's been like lots of introduction classes and that uh so i'd say like this week is like the first proper school week mm-hmm. so nothing crazy happening uh before this week in in, in terms of school but like obviously the last two weeks been a bit more busy because all the activities we did with like uh, there's like guilds for all the different things you can learn so all these uh, organizations have parties and stuff so mm. that's do, what's been going on for the last two weeks do they have like frats and sororities there is this like american school at all no okay i mean yeah they i mean there's a few people who like buy uh, buy a house together or rent a house together mm. but it's not like not like america and there aren't like people aren't living at the school. Everyone has like their own apartment. Really, they can share an apartment with someone, but it's it's not like sort of American style college. So, at least what it is in the movie. Okay, right, right. So you're you are sta- are you now staying? You're staying in an apart like a three bedroom apartment with some friends or what? How did that work out? Oh, that's just random people. Oh, okay. There, there's sort of there's an organization that probably has a contract with the. Uh, 
city okay. government, and then they rent out uh, apartment apartments for students. Got you. Okay, okay, okay. That's how it works. All right, I understand that. And how's but that? I mean, like- I could have went to a apartment where it was just me. It would just cost more. Okay. So are you like roommates, axe murderers, or anything like that? You know, reindeer hunters, maybe? Both are Russian. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. Yeah, you they are close together, to Russia. So. Yeah, no, aren't you? Oh, it's it's like a half an hour drive away from the Russia. Oh, uh, gosh. Great. But it's only like a, a couple hours away from home. So Finland okay. is very close to Russia. We share 100 kilometer border, a thousand kilometer border with Russia. So. Um, have you told them what you do? Like that, you're, that you might hear me talking into a microphone for like two hours about something you have no idea. Uh, I know, not really. We just say moi, which is high in Finnish. <laughs> that sounds That's about right. Really talk. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna live with these guys. I'm never gonna learn anything about them and just yeah. say hello. Sounds about yeah. to me. All right. <laughs> um, so exciting. Not the stories I was expecting to hear, but uh, okay. Not the stories um, I'd probably be bragging about if yeah. I was going to university. Well, yeah, well, I mean, last week was a bit more crazy with all the parties and stuff happening. But yeah, I mean, that's, let let that just be. <laughs> Are you going to these parties in your, your hoodies? Please don't tell me you're wearing these hoodies. Oh, no, it's all outside. It's all outside. Oh, okay. So, so you have I to always wear, wear like a, yeah. So you're in your so, safe I mean, place. And it's not like parties. It's just yeah, like people go buy drinks and go walk outside. <laughs> and then wow. it's like all the university people and, you know, let's that's how it works world. in Finland. Yeah, that's what you guys want. Let's go yeah. fix the world. Well, not really. I mean, and then it, it, all, it, it always it ends up at the bonfires. It always like there's a place that we found near the school where there's lots of bonfires. So every, everything that happens always ends up there. People stay there for like 5 a.m. Okay. So that's how it goes down. And then they just go to classes after that. Yeah, sounds like a good life for a 21-year-old. Bonfires <laughs> and drinking till 5 o'clock in the no. morning and going to school yeah. after that. Great way to learn. Great way to learn. I, I hope you enjoy it. I mean, that's part. How long are you going to be there for? Uh, Well, the first part of the studies is three years. And then I got to apply for a... Uh, what you call it, master's degree, mm-hmm. and then it's two years. So at least three years from okay from this point. Right. But I mean, I can I can do whatever I really want. But, no, yeah, but you have no racing it, coming no. up. Racing's done for you till next year. Um, are you going? Oh be- well, there's ten scale. There's ten scale racing, but okay. to be honest, I'm not really too into doing ten scale at the moment. It's like you you gotta practice for it, and ten scale. 10 scale for some reason you use a whole lot more tires there i don't know how that's possible but you got to spend a lot of money on tires if you want to be anywhere like competitive mm-hmm. like because you got to practice new tires to get the setup right and that's gotcha. what i hate most about 10 scale okay well yeah well i i hope you you might want to do some 10 scale racing to keep your skills up and keep your interest in RC. Last, last winter, I drove a lot with the VRC Pro, you know, the uh-huh. simulator. I okay. did that last winter a lot. I think I'm going to do it again. It's it's okay. It's not perfect. But, but it does I think help a little bit, right? Oh, I mean, I would say I'd rather do that than do 10 scale. Whoa. Well, the, the VRC guys are going to like that. This is going to be a clip. Let me t- let me write that down. Yeah. 
My- but, I mean, I'm I'm really a fan of the game. There's some things that feel a bit weird, mm-hmm. but apart from that, I'm really a fan of the game. And uh, yeah, so I wouldn't don't practice your driving style or don't practice changing anything, but to practice keeping in sort of in feel of your driving, it's it's okay, and it's really good with that. I think it helps too because I remember um, when I got on it real hard back in 2014 before I went to my first race here, and I had a race eight scale in years, and I ran I did some ten, some two 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 drive in England, but it helped me. I think um, I definitely think it helps. I definitely think. It yeah, helps. Oh, and I mean, I mean, what I said about doing VRC or ten scale, like if you're racing ten scale, then obviously you have to race the cars to practice, but because I'm only driving 10 scale to keep sort of the feel for eight right, scale right. because in Finland, there's really no point trying to run 10 scale competitively. And in Europe, there's pretty much like euros and those are always a pretty bad race. Okay. EOS, but I don't really like carpet racing. So in Europe, there isn't really a way to run 10 scale, like only or run 10 scale as you're even like, high up on your list of classes. I'd rather run touring cars competitively than run 10 scale, really, mm-hmm. at okay. this point. Is that bigger in Finland, touring cars, then? Not That's really. Okay. They're both about the same. But the thing is, with 10 scale, is like during the winter, everyone runs, like, some races. So there's, like, even Joseph was running before the race last weekend. Joseph was running at the track. He didn't come up to the race, but he was practicing there. So everyone has a 10 scale. So there's, like, some races, there's some more people, some races there are less and it's not like, but no one's taking it, like, apart from, like, a few guys. No one's taking it that seriously. Yeah, Nitro definitely sees Everyone's a bit focused of on age scale. Yeah, Nitro's the yeah. in Finland. Um, yeah. As for myself, I have not been up too much. Uh, I I went out to go test one of my boats that I picked up, a jet boat um, from Thrashers and Streamline RC. I got it. It's different. Uh, <laughs> we went out to La Boca, and we had to come back home because I had to figure out how to program the ESC. Uh, and then when I got all that figured out, it pissed on rain. And then yesterday, with the, I was like, tell, I told my buddy, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to record because we don't have any electricity. Let's go to test out the boats. And then, of course, it rained from 3 until 8 dark. So that messed up my day for doing that. But nothing serious going on here. It's, it's been hot here in the DR. And some, it's, you know, summertime's winding on. And hopefully it cools off her next month. It won't cool off this month. But... Uh, yeah, nothing. Just we're gearing up for Christmas, man. I'm gearing up for Christmas and 2022, and getting out of her and doing some RC and building my Mayako, which I'm super excited about getting because I saw some pictures. My spies sent me some pictures. See, I'm not. I'm. I'm I have spies. Have people got? Have people gotten the car? Yet? No, no. But this month, well, probably near the end of the month. So, it's you know. Okay. But some of the stuff that I A saw. Bit delayed. Yeah, well, dude. Every they just delayed they just delayed fuck freaking um battlefield the latest battlefield like for a month for like everywhere. Oh yeah, everything everything is delayed. But yeah. I thought I thought people had them already. No, no, okay. no. Okay, well, but I'm getting I've, my spy shots that I've seen. I'm super excited about some of the things that I'm seeing, and I'm looking forward to building this car. And I think I'm gonna actually try and build it like the video. We'll see how it works. Um, I've been geeking out one handed. Yeah, how do you I, even build a car with like one hand? I know like, it might not work. Be so hard. Not my, my, did you yeah. like my Manscaped commercial? I did it one-handed the other day. Um, 
I gotta check that out. I didn't see it. Yeah, I missed it somehow. And I've been just geeking out with my high tech charger, playing with that. Um, you know, and and just getting ready for Operation One Fifteen as more parts come in. So you know, I got my batteries in. I got my props. I got the boat in. I'm not. You, people can see that boat right back there. That so what's your light back? There. What's your top speed at the moment? How far? No, no, are I haven't even driven this boat speed? yet. Oh, what what about the other one? Uh, I don't know. I don't have. I haven't put it on the GPS. Oh, yet. okay. Um, it's not going to be as fast as this one. So, and the jet boat is not fast. It's more for like rapids and stuff like that. And I'm going to use it as a recovery boat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I get, I'm actually excited to do some RC. Like yesterday, I filled, packed up my car and was ready, and then, so mad. Um, Raw Regional Rep votes. Uh, Raw Regional, I think it's the odd Raw Regional elections are coming up soon in the fall. Uh, go to rawracing.com, check out what region you're in, see who the rep is. If there isn't a rep, Excuse me. If it's something you're interested in doing, maybe do it. We want to change raw. Well, we change raw from the bottom up. We get people in there. Uh, from we should regions. have. Hmm? We should have like candidates that are uh, what they call it uh, supported by non MRC. You know. I was hoping to have organized all that with a group of people, but then the one guy that was doing that kind of just said, "No, I can't do it now." So now I don't have anybody to do it with. But I'm yeah. just trying to encourage people to go out there and uh, become raw members because what's going to happen here is the raw nationals are going to come around next year and everybody's going to forget what happened this year or how much we want to change raw and we're just going to pay our money anyway because we want to do the nationals. But here's our chance to start some change, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, need to, we need to sort of get the people, like yeah. find out the people who are good and the people who think the right way about RC and not the old guard. Yeah. And then, like, endorse these people because it's actually really important that, like, we we just voting. We actually vote the people in that actually want to change things, and not just vote for someone else that doesn't want to change things. I agree. So I think that's really important as well. I agree. Uh, Invisible speed course, dude. I showed you the video the other day. I'm super impressed with Beaker's. Uh, one thing about Beaker, man, and I'm not gonna fluff him anymore but i have to give him credit when he puts his mind to something he gets it done but he's been thrashing away at that those videos and he's still far behind uh but he's he's it's looking really good and i think um like just that link video that he shared was so in-depth i was like wow he's like yeah and the whole course is like this so i think this is a course that's going to be good for anybody getting that's just getting into RC or maybe just wants to learn more about RC. I think it's going to be good. I really do. And online courses aren't unusual. Um, they're in all other industries and whatnot, whatnot like that as well. So I think it's going to be good. Yeah. And actually like I, I saw a lot of people complain about price and all that, but come on, like for real, that information, like, to gather that much information, it's I think it takes a lot of fucking time. Like JQ is never gonna make sort of the money out of this that he should. He's never made money. That's in, the problem. Really. That's the issue. He's never no, made money. No, but like like selling an R shitty RTR makes you more money than doing this. So like way more. <laughs> and like they like this what JQ is doing is like working way way too much for I mean, not that much 
content in like well in terms of hours yes it's a lot of content but like if you were like to pay for per video it would be quite a lot but yeah. that information in those videos it's like the work you have to do to get that it's, the time. it's like time and yeah, knowledge the time, that like, it, like he, i think yeah like i think the way he said it is like 20 years of experience in like or three hundred dollars it's like or whatever the course is i don't know if yeah, i think it's like 100 it's like an installments or something like yeah so like 20 years of hitting your hair head into the wall versus like <laughs> paying Man, a few hundred bucks to these learn are the same all. people that have to have everything matching in their pits though you know what i mean yeah I, I i think in this case like i really think people even for instance like um i heard some people complaining about the five dollars to to live rc and I'm kind of like, man, I pay that no problem. Like, you know what I mean? Every yeah, month. five is so little. And yeah, five is, it's like, it's not a lot. I mean, okay, if RC does a shitty job, then five is, five is too much. But if as long as live RC does a good job, I'm fine with five. You know, like five is nothing. Well, I think people should make money if they're gonna do something. If you don't make money, then then you're not gonna do it anymore. We like this. We like to have things around. So we like to have, like, people's like, well, we can watch the videos, we can do this. I guarantee when people see this course, they'll see how more in-depth this is than the videos. They'll be like, okay, I get it now. And will, yeah. people, will people be smart enough to say, okay, I need probably need this course because I'm not doing so well. So I'm not, I'm just saying, like, I just feel like sometimes And it's not only, it, it's not really only about doing well. It's also like having fun. It really sucks when your car is bad and you're out on the track and, no, and there's no one to to copy a setup from mm -hmm. it really sucks even if you're just driving for fun it's just like there's no enjoyment there especially if you're driving for fun and that's why like knowing how to set up your car is going to make your life a lot easier and there's more interest to the hobby it's not just go out and track try to be fast and then wonder why my car sucks the hobby is now go out to track try to be fast and then come to the pits think about why i wasn't fast or why i was so fast and mm -hmm. try to have solution to pitch the hobby sort of has a new depth to it and yeah. it's it's not really only about doing good it's only having it's also about having fun yeah i agree i the people that get it they'll buy it and once once it gets word of mouth and people say wow this is really it's like the book people pissed the moon when he wrote the book and all that type of stuff but look it sold mm -hmm. very well and there's one thing people can can say about joseph and they can say they can complain about his political beliefs and all that stuff when it comes to rc and the the, the benefit of rc in the future and what joseph trust me he wants the best for everybody not just for himself so if you guys are interested um check it out invisible speed invisible speed.net i think the 20th so four more days you get it if you if you pre if you pre-order it before then you get the walkthrough with david runnefalk Co Ogden, Robert Badier, and Joseph, and one more. I'm missing somebody. I'm missing somebody. It was Ray Monday. No, no, it was Rana Falk, Co Badier, Joseph. Oh, and McBride. And McBride, yeah, one more. McBride. McBride. You missed it last time as well. You did a podcast with Joseph last week. You missed it then. I, yeah, I, I watched know. it. I know. I forgot it. I forgot <laughs> it. I forgot it. <laughs> So invisiblespeed.net, people, if you want to get that early uh, walkthrough with those drivers and be able to talk to them and pick and pick their brains for information, check it out. Check it out. 
All right, Max. Um, I think it's time to go on to some RC news. And the RC news is brought to you this week by TNR Fuels and High Tech RC. Here at the NNRC, we are all about the glory, and that glory is nitro. TNR Fuels is the hottest nitro fuel on the market, and it's owned and operated by Chris Nelson a and his family of racers. Chris is actually a racer, and his family go to him if the races. Very nice people. And, um, yeah, he's just a hardcore racer at, at heart. TNR Fuels is currently available throughout the USA, and they are looking for international uh, to be shipping it out international. You, if you want any more information on the fuel, you can contact Chris directly through Facebook or email him at chris at tnrfuels.com. Find them on House of RC, or like I said, just contact them on Facebook. Uh, check them out. I see a lot of people are switching over to this fuel and using it. Um, so I will be using it when I get to America next year to do my, my racing and whatnot, so I can't wait. Also, big thank you to High Tech RC. Thank you to them for sending me that cool RDX2 Pro Charger, which I'm really enjoying. High Tech RC is a leader in RC systems, delivering the highest performance and reliability, supported by a dedicated customer service personnel. The HSBC 9381TH Servo boasts efficient brushless motors, titanium gears, low consumption, output and I'm sorry, a aluminum metal case, and they also regenerate power back into your battery when you break. The RDX2 Pro Charger can charge up to two four cells. I had two six cell, six S batteries on there the other day. Powerful batteries made by SMC that they sent me for Operation 115. Charge it up, no problem. And I'm looking for the video. I probably erased it, but I was able to follow all of this on my phone. Like this. I don't know if you guys can see it, but basically that's a picture of what you get. Okay, you probably can't see it. But you can basically start and stop everything from your phone and, yeah, control everything, see how much power is being put in there. Right, I'm, I'm geeking out. Loving it. Trust in High Tech, your server and charger headquarters. Visit hightechrcd.com. Where to buy to find your nearest retailer. Hey, show these guys some support, man. They have been great supporters of the podcast. Thank you for the charger. You will not be upset with it. Uh, Max, we don't have much news, but we do have some things that have been happening that we have to talk about. And um, I think the first one, something's, I think I'm getting feedback. I'm, I'm, am I coming through your speakers or am I coming through your headset? My, my mic could be, it's a bit weird the position. I can reposition it. Yeah, maybe it's picking up your my voice through your headphones. Anywho, let's figure that out. All right, Max. The first question is, oh, no. First thing I want to talk about, Alex Bernardzak beats Kyle McBride in Australia this year. Again, for the fourth time this year. It's 4-0. Yeah. I would say that this, this kid has McBride's number. But here's the thing. This is McBride's home track, too. He was there a lot. And he didn't, like, he beat him. This kid beat him in qualifying by like 10 seconds. One, one run. This is, okay, now, let Can we talk about the issue? Why this is happening? You believe it's the car. I say he has, to, I say, but he, no, no, but he beat him when he had the, the, he also beat him when he was still running the infinity, I believe, last year. Maybe not. Maybe once, maybe yeah. once, but I doubt it. This year he's been beating him nonstop. Well, I think, look, 
it, even though he's a pro racer, I still think he needs time on this chassis to get better. He's he's switched up chassis. He switched up tires. Two of your biggest components. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can I can give the the tires tires can be a really big factor here because the seismic tires have proven to work really well when it's oiled or when it's like polished surface well, this just is like montpellier track. or well, this was oiled i believe so okay so in in uk there's oil tracks and the seismic tires work really well everyone runs them or like i think even elliot ran them even though he mm-hmm. he's running t pro now and uh and uh also in france there's polished tracks I I can't say from Spain or anywhere else around there. I don't know if there, this track is but polished, it, but it, I believe it's oiled. Yeah. So if it's rough and oiled, then it's a very different story. Then I don't know if the seismic tires are good. But if it's polished, the seismic tires shouldn't be an issue, really. But if it's polished, the car is a little bit bigger bigger of an issue, really. I'd say <laughs> you, you and JQ both said the same thing. It's the car. It's the car. Well, the techno does yeah. struggle on their smooth tracks now. They, they're good on exactly. Those, they're good on those rough tracks. It's not. Mm-hmm. We're not saying anything that they haven't said themselves. But isn't it yeah. kind of flipped around? Because weren't they really like Joseph says no? But I kind of thought they were more a better smooth car, high grip track anyway. But their old car was better well, for smooth and high grip. Well, from the old car, I don't think it was good anywhere, to be honest. Like, the old car, like, come on. Ryan Lutz, born horse, where in, like, the bottom of the quarters at Worlds. Like, that's... Yeah, but that's one like, race. One race. Yeah. And they might have been running the new on. stuff. So we don't know. Oh, actually, they might have run it. But yeah. anyway, like, really, the old car... Look, look, okay, separate, okay separate your hate of techno. And Elias and all that stuff. Let's separate that, right? Let's, well, let's not I don't, even talk I don't about have, I mean, I was always fine with Elias. I right, but no you know, let's, let's, let's look at with, this. With let's, Techno, I'm fine as well. The only issue I have is the car. Like, well, it's why not do you a think, good car. <laughs> why do you think, in your engineer brain, why do you think it's a struggle with that car? On smooth tracks, high grip it's, tracks. On, on smooth, high grip tracks, it's pretty much almost only because of the rear uh, uh, pivot. There's mm-hmm. lots of other issues as well. But or actually front and rear because the front is really narrow as well. So with the long arms, the narrow pivots, when the car tries to roll, the chassis doesn't like want to roll, which means that you really, or if it rolls, it wants to roll really quickly. Mm -hmm. So the roll is really hard to control. And uh, what happens then is when you go on higher grip tracks, the car doesn't roll, doesn't roll, you go in the corner and then it rolls really quickly. So it's really hard to make the car smooth and contain corner speed around the corners and uh also i'm not 100 sure what their shock situation is but they used to run like three hole three hole pistons at some point which makes the car just really dull and calm which again loses your corner speed it might be good on rough and bumpy tracks but like loses a lot of speed on higher grip and smoother tracks but really well the front end is a bit of a kind of hard to say uh is is it an issue is it good bad but the really narrow uh arm pivots is probably the one of the only issues really right so you're saying that when it does roll it just happens too fast for 
people to react to it. Yeah. Okay. Because if you think like the arms are really narrow together and there's pushing from the outside like this, the car is like the roll is really kick, but yeah. it's like really wide like this. It's like that movement is much, you know, slower of the roll of the car. Like, like this, between my finger, the car is rolling. It's you know? just like the video like that JQ made the other day. It's no different from the video yeah. that you made the other day with the coin. Exactly. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. So pretty much that's that's what's happening. Like the roll, it's resisting, resisting, and then it's too quick. And that's the issue in higher grip. In lower grip, you never get that quick motion. So it's resisting, resisting, and then it never like goes over. And also, because they now have really long arms, what happens is over bumps, it's super easy to drive because the arm has so much leverage. So they get all the benefits on lower grip bumpy tracks like Silver State, not really like DNC because DNC has longer sweeping corners. As we saw, it was really Mayfield, Ogden, who was fast there, which is HB is sort of good car for uh, sort of lower grip tracks, but that don't have, uh, but still have like fast corners. So it has more corner speed than the Techno. Mm. Then Mugen with the really wide rear pivot is really good on really smooth tracks generally and associated as well, like Thornhill and tracks like that. But then, at DNC, Mayfield is Mayfield and he wins. But like in other tracks, you can really see the difference in some cars. And the techno is, is good in tracks like Silver State and some really rough uh, tracks that are slow speed and uh, rather low grip. Mm, interesting. Well, it, it's going to be interesting to see. This has to be a blow for Kyle because, you know, this is a young, this is him. Like, what, five, maybe ten years ago? No, not that much. He's in about 24, 25. So this is him maybe seven oh, years Kyle ago. Kyle made the world's main, like, when he was, like, 15 or 14 okay. or something. Well, Alex has a seat, so. seat. So now I believe that Alex is super fast. Talking to the Australian Oh, guys. yeah, no doubt. But what McBride has is... To beat, a, a, to beat a pro driver like Kyle, even on his bad day, it's a, it's a good... Right, good thing no, to do, I've you know, seen, and like the way he's done it, it's really impressive. No, I've seen Kyle show up and and be fast too. Man, now yeah, this is this is one person I was telling the Australian guys, I was talking to Zach about it, and it's like, ah, AE's got to get him to America. I was like, no, he's got to go. It's like AE's not going to pay for him to go to America. They might help once he gets yeah. out there, but he kind of has to yeah. make that trip on his own, and he kind of has to prove. Now he's proved himself in in Australia. He needs to come out of Australia. Come to America. If there's one person that I would love to see go to DNC next year, it's it's this kid right here. Because yeah. I want to see what he can do. And I don't know how expensive it is to fly from Australia, but at least go to like Asian races, like no, big Asian races. Like even that, you get more exposure, you get more sort of that look, it's vibe that you're look, doing something. Ben Sterling is back racing too, by the way. Um, Ben yeah. Starden's been to America. McBride's been to America. The Dexters have been to America. There's there's Zach Ryan and 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 Ben Panic oh, yeah. and yeah, John yeah. Panic. Yeah. All those guys have been. So it's it's not hard. People travel. It's just oh, yeah. you know it's not that expensive. Yeah, the, yeah, and no, no. But I mean, like you obviously have to go to America at some point. But yes. like I'm talking, like do you have to race there consistently? Like do no, you no, have no, to no, go no, to no. DNC to Silver State? No, like, but you need to sort of Australia is so pushed away from rest of the RC world, really. Like someone like Ray Monday, like everyone in Australia knows him 
And I've heard him the first time for like a few years ago. And this guy is apparently a leg- legend in Australia or something yeah. in RC terms. So like, like Australia is so far pushed away from yeah, rest of RC. Even it. Asia is much more. Asia is even much more present in Western RC uh, like community. I would agree there. We need to get the Bernard Zach to DNC. I love to see that. All right, Mayfield and Rivkin had Thunder Alley with the Drake, and it looks like they were testing some ProTech engines. They're probably testing more than that. Um, this is just more proof that MX is done, and that their time of paying drivers is over. They might, maybe they might continue on selling fuel. I don't know, but I doubt it. Um, what do you think about this? You think Mayfield and Riv gonna run ProTech for A main? Probably yeah. I mean Mayfield I think Mayfield already runs all there he runs the Prodex servos, right? The A main servos, whatever the brand they sell is. And then he runs batteries, uh he still runs Harboing Speedos, I think. But Amazing. I mean he doesn't really have any doesn't have a speedo. Yeah. Like he doesn't really have any other sort of way to go apart from like completely different like new and why not go to a main then because they already have an engine and he probably can get anything he wants for them one thing i'm still wondering one yeah one thing i'm still wondering is like when drake is so involved in both rivkin and mayfield's engine program like why why don't they all run the same engine? Like, why doesn't Drake pursue to have Spencer and Mayfield at OS? Because OS ain't paying out what MX was probably paying. Not saying they're going to get MX money from them guys, but they need to get a paycheck. And they need. Do you, think, do you think A-Main would just pay these guys? Yeah. For just run their engine, which is actually an OS? Like, A-Main's got that's, money. That's the thing. Well, they do, but like, do they really need it? Like, do they really need two team drivers to run their engine? People know it's an OS-based engine. They're going to buy it if they're going to buy it. So maybe what I'm seeing here, if if they actually wanted to do something productive in terms of all of them, in terms of RC as a whole, I think what would and should happen is A-Main and OS work together and they have a sort of American OS team where they run a main slash OS engines, something like that. Only issue is I think horizon is the distributor of OS. So that that's, that's already fucked that shit up. Yeah. <laughs> that dream's already messed up. Um, yeah. I think still- that would be the dream really, because like I always hated when people run like, well, kind of like the, uh, what you call SMJ brand, you know, they have engines which are only OS, like just OS engines that uh, Infinity buys from OS. And then I think they do something to them, but it's not like really that significant. Mm. It's just like that just more engines without really any brand. Kind of like Bullet. Like Bullet was just OS engines that had a different head on them, maybe a different case. But like, yeah, but I it's always coming hate this. Point it's, now. Like, it's like a big facade. Like, Facade, facade, whatever you want to say. No, but like you can do it the correct way. You can do it like Elasi Tune does it, where it's like actually his engine right, right, he right. adds some value Different. to or it. RB like if if you, yeah, but if you're just selling the same engine and no changes to it, like what's really the point? Like, 
why not because most likely you're making very little money as well you're only doing it so that your team drivers can get an engine which i really like why can't you just get the engines from os like i don't know i just my well we ain't gonna i don't i don't like it and it's it's not gonna help any other engine manufacturer as well if all like let's say reds if reds uh just because they were originally reds engines were pico engines that they modified heavily so it was it was pretty much a reds engine but pico still manufactured the engine then when reds came out with their completely own engine which is has nothing uh well i i wouldn't say nothing to do with pico but it's basically their own engine uh that was when that was like 2018 19 19 i think so that's sort of the point where reds could have looked at the market said okay os is slightly better engine and then just uh bought engines from os and sold them as that but they made the decision to keep their own engine build their own engine and it's actually good for the hobby even though i can say and i will say that reds isn't as good of an engine as an os is but i would still rather have reds making their own engines than just selling one like Bullet does sell OS. Well, I, I was just about to touch on that because I got in this conversation with an old school guy this week about that, and it, it's like a it's it's like a big facade. Like we all know, everybody's running OS engines. The only thing that is different really now in the market that you might see somebody running is a Reds, just like serial yeah. type based. But going on, it, well, but, the some some people still run Novorossi based well, engines, that's but that's only mostly in Europe. Well, that's we, really I really rare. wish Novorossi did not close because number one, I think I wish to. I think that, um, honest to goodness, like I, I mean this with with all sincerity. I think that the P five when when you could buy it for one hundred and twenty five dollars on Amazon at one point, or one hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> was I I don't care when it was two hundred and fifty dollars is probably still one of my favorite engines that for any for any beginner. Or for a um, uh, experienced racer, I think you can't go wrong with a P5. And at one point, they're getting one hundred and twenty-five dollars. But my point isn't about the P5, that. The P5 is really good for like fifteen minutes before it flames out out of nowhere. I never had that issue. That was always the issue. Never had that Rosses. issue. I never had that. Well, issue. You never run that long mains. I have. I've run. I've on my. I have. I've had P5s in my truggy. I have P5s in my in my buggy, and they all ran. The only time I flamed out is when I jumped into some water and I hydrolocked it. You know what it is? It's um, it's uh it's because they're so hot there. They're really good when it was hot. No, it was always probably, the best when it was hot. Probably, but, but my point being is that back in the day when you saw a lineup of drivers, you would see their different engine brands: RB, Serio, Pico. OS wasn't even really there. Like back in the day, OS wasn't even on. Like it was there, but it wasn't a top of the line engine. Yeah. I mean, they were always good engines, yes. but it wasn't like when that big of a deal. Then. Right. And that, you just won't see that again. So I kind of do, we, we kind of went off on a tangent on this subject, but I kind of do wish we would see Novorossi's and stuff like that come back. So people have more of a variety and there's more of a, more of a competition between these engines. And then we can get exactly. some innovation coming exactly. right now. Like, like I'm going to say it like a couple of guys I know who've made, who've brought up with the last OS engines. They're not happy with them. You know what I mean? They gotta put different carburetors on them and all that type of stuff. And OS doesn't seem to be addressed. Yeah, but they that. bought the wrong ones. 
maybe they did. They bought the wrong ones. Maybe but like did. I've said this for such a long time. Like there's really like at this point in eight scale off road, there's really one engine that works for all conditions and it's really good. It's the long stroke OS engine with the 21J or 22E carb. Most OS uh, base engines uh, are this way, but some aren't. And if they aren't, that's not good. You you need the 21J or the 22, I'm pretty sure it's 22E carb. Those are the same carb that comes with the OS type R, I believe nowadays. And that's the good carb. No, no other carb is usable from OS. Everything else is just trash. Throw it in the bin. Don't use it. Hey, there's a Max's and where it's not mine. And the long stroke engine, uh, OS I think nowadays only has the long strokes. But the old, uh, old, uh, you know, the short stroke or the uh, cubic stroke mm-hmm. engines, stroke. those are okay. But I mean, why? Like hey. you can have the long stroke, those don't have that much mileage if you tune the engine correctly. Have a P4 plug if you feel you have too much power. Put a shim on top of it if you feel like you have too much power. Have a really smooth clutch. You have good mileage, smooth power range, and you can tune the engine well with the carb. And as I said, most OS-based engines are pretty good as well. It's not you don't have to have the OS. But I'd rather, like to me, I wish there were only like... OS, then there were like Novorossi and Reds, and then maybe like have a small things like ELS tuned, or like some like small manufacturers that make engines, because that that's that's again much more interesting when you're running an engine engine manufacturer, you're running an engine that has it. an actual manufacturer. That has some soul yeah. to it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I and. and you know what Nitro desperately needs? Nitro desperately needs a nitro, a good nitro engine pipe combo, two fifty to three hundred dollars. That's what Nitro needs right now. To I, I, I mean, I, I kind of disagree. No, because I don't. like I mean, a good, you buy good engine. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you can't get a good engine for that price. Yes, you can. Like, if the you P5 buy, if you engine. buy it. No, but how long did it last? As Forever. I got one there in that truck. He's sitting right up there. I guarantee you. Well, yeah, but I mean, starts. that's that's you. But like for for actual racer who really like races, trying to tries to be good. <laughs> I raced with one engine. I raced with one engine for this whole year. Practice racing everything. Granted, yeah, but not I everybody didn't does that. Lot. Not everybody can do that. You know, you know what you're doing. Yeah, because they buy the cheap engines. You buy Most you buy, buy right fuel. You buy the right engines, and your engine lasts forever. Right. <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, enough about that. Um, it'd be interesting to see where they go and how much money they get. Tebow and McLan split ways. Well, here's something I did not know was that McLan is actually Venom. It is. Yeah, I did not know that. It actually. That's is- why they're okay. Okay, now it makes so more so much more sense. So That's it's actually the Venom. Yeah. So um, it's exactly the same brand, just rebranded. Yeah. The same people just all the people are there just rebranding. I believe so. Small, still a small company did, though. But. Did did the did did the what do you call it? What was the other one? The old one. Venom. Venom, yeah. Did that go bankrupt? No idea what happened with that. Maybe they just decided to go a different maybe Venom was too synonymous with batching 
and they wanted to go to oh, okay. a racing type of, of uh, platform. So it's be, the, such was born McLaren Racing. But um, I did talk to Tebow about this because he's actually going to come on with us next week on our live after Southern Nets, like as a co-host. And he just said, yeah, um, we just had, like it did not end well. They obviously, they had, I guess they had a disagreement about something. And I think it was just a mutual. Agreement. So is it, is it about, I, I heard or read on Facebook that they wanted Tebow to run drag racing. Is it, was it about, was no, it about that? I don't think or? it's, a, I don't think it's about that. He did drag racing and he enjoyed it. He's done it. Yeah. That's um, what I thought as well. I think it was more, um, I think they just had words because I think Tebow, you know, like Tebow still has that hunger to win. And I think he must've said something like, Hey, I, I you know, that's, it might be equipment based. I don't know. Maybe we'll ask him next week when we talk to him. But basically, it sounds like they might have had a disagreement about equipment. They gotten uh, some wire to exchange, and basically they just split ways. So, um, which is kind of rough for Tebow because that's also like MX is kind of even though he's got the engines and he's gonna sell those with MX kind of not being sure what the future holds for MX and definitely not paying racers. And for yeah, Tebow, that's two salaries Tebow. that's gone. Yeah, but for, to be honest with Tebow, is if he wants to have a paycheck, he can. Like he can go oh, to no, I think he'll some lower level engine manufacturers and ask ask for a lot of money, and they will pay a lot of money. But win, the thing though. is, like, if he's yeah, exactly, that's the issue. Like, and then when you want to win, it doesn't really matter if you make three thousand or four thousand a month, really. Like. Well, I don't know American salaries, taxes, whatever. But like, let's say if well, it's sort of a slight difference, a few hundred bucks right. a month for winning versus, and also like you have to count in if he actually wins races, he must get prize money as well from right. the, you know. But here's the, the thing: here's uh, the, we, we, we always talk about these drivers going for paychecks and this and that and all that stuff. But we never think about when you're a hired racer like this, like that, your contract could be over and you could be out of money. You know what I mean? No warning whatsoever. Yeah, I always wonder how that happens. That I because I think, I mean, obviously, the, if the contract says like, uh, but I get you like, a breach of terminated. contract somehow, some way. Yeah. Somehow, some but way I mean, get you it's that. a bit shitty. Always, always when a contract is stopped midway through, it's yes. always a bit shitty. But and I believe, I I kind of have the feeling that. I kind of have the feeling that McLaren wanted sort of Tebow to bring it out more, sort of like, because it, it came out with like a huge bang, Tebow doing good at, uh, I think, Redirate or what, whatever. And then like after that, they feel like, oh, people need to buy it. They've been pushing it a lot in Europe. And then they're like, there hasn't been that much sales, I don't feel. Or well, I haven't seen well, that much But I thought it was growing. Them. I saw it in the e-buggy world, more people using it. And stuff like that. Okay, but, but still, like, I sort of feel that maybe McLaren doesn't have the results they wanted. But then again, if other drivers are still keeping on with McLaren, then most likely just a disagreement. Tebow said something is shit, and they got mad. Probably. Probably. What happened? But the pressure to win is on um, Tebow right now because he hasn't. He's yeah. won Truggy. He's won some e buggy, but he wants that nitro buggy, and. Um, yeah, the pressure is on and I would just, that's a hard, see if RC was bigger, if RC was bigger, Tebow could really be thinking like, all right, I'm going to race to, I'm 40 
and then I can get a cushy job as a commentary, as a commentator or something. You know, if, if RC was a bigger sport, like football, not saying, but you know, like he can always get a job in the industry making decent money. To do that is really hard. Like, you know what I mean? In RC, you can't, you, you can transition, but it's, I, it's wonder, I wonder, I think, I think most people go have a real job afterwards. Yes, they do. What, what is Pavidis doing? He's doing a real job, right? Which Mark Pavidis? Mark Pavidis. Yeah, Pavidis. he, um, man, he actually, out, well, this is actually a pretty fun job. He outfit this. I don't know if he's still doing that, but there's camper vans, like, you know, like the transit vans making them. Oh, okay. Uh, tricking them. Yeah, up. but Degani, Degani has a real job. I think Degani always had a always real job. Always had a though. real job. He is a clock, he's a clock yeah. and watch fixer. Clocksmith. Yeah, clocksmith. And, and, uh, then, or, yeah, watchsmith, rather. Like, Tanner but, Danny uh, is, is into real estate. That's what he's doing. You know? Yeah, but Tanner Danny is like he's still like because it's it's a bit different to be because like Neil Craig, he's never been a full time right. pro. He's always had a job, but he still always made money from RC. So he's a bit different. And then I don't know. I just if this in was... Europe, really, what happens is when people quit, they have an RC hobby shop. Yeah, most but of the that's, time that's, that's what happens. That, yeah, that's but that's even. It's just like imagine if this was bigger, like Tebow, world champion. If this, okay, if this was bigger, then this uh, this podcast would make more money too. But uh, everything would make more money. But if this was bigger, mm. then you know Tebow, he's good. He's good at social media, all that type of stuff. He he understands. Like if if racing was bigger, then he could be a commentator. Like you know what I mean, or something like that. But we just don't have that. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, one thing that one thing people can do is sort of what like Greg Drescher did, which is just become a team manager. If you're like, if, or what, I don't know what his title is nowadays, but sort of like a team manager. Mm -hmm. So like that's, Tebow most likely could become just like a techno social media manager or whatever and make decent money. We shall see. We still got a good bit of racing left in him. So we're talking, yeah, he's got a lot of racing left in him. All right. Um, I see Robert Battier, Mood 36, Mugen Hobbs. Did you see this? He's made some two-piece hobs. Yeah, those were actually pretty cool. Yeah, I thought so too. They caught my attention. Let, let's see if I can bring it up here and uh, we can have a look at it. I like the two-piece thing. Let's talk about that real quick. Um, the two-piece aspect of it because I have never really operated with hubs like this before. So you as a racer, or maybe I don't have it. Okay. Um, let's see. Here we go. So this can have outboard and inboard tow. Um, like like the JQ kind of has. But this, mm-hmm. have, what's this for, Max? Is this to, like, just if you break it, you can replace it or maybe put something there? With oh, no, it's you can put different ones on. Okay. So that way you can have multiple link positions. You okay. can tune it by sort of small increments, have half holes or whatever. That's what you have. And I kind of like it that it's only one of those. I always sort of shrug when it's, or what do you call it? <laughs> have a, I, I don't really like when you use two of those because that's just like, it holds on with one. So why would you have link between the sort of the plates when you can just have one plate and attach the link there? So I kind of like that design. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just a very basic hub. Well, aluminum does, hub. Does, is the, is the Mugen car, can you do outboard? Toe adjustments on that now? Probably not, but okay. I, I've, I sort of don't like the outboard toe adjustments. 
especially if you have some toe inboard mm. if you have let's say if you had it so that you had zero on inboard and then more uh, and some towing on outboard that could be a bit more fun but yeah i don't know All right. not a huge fan of the outboard towing well th- see this is robert thinking of the future getting that mood that's his brand mood 36 uh getting parts out for people exactly yeah um all right last thing uh 5150 uh cory drakenberg dropped the icebreaker video which he filmed back in 2019 it's so weird seeing this because now everybody's different it's weird seeing this period because you can you can see obviously um proline used to pay him to do these videos i think it's like eight thousand dollars per video or whatever and obviously this was filmed before horizon took over proline so you can see that the film is geared to pretty much mostly pro-line drivers, as it usually is. I mean, he does throw in, like, Tyler Hawks. You know, Drake's fat in this one. You know, he's not skinny as he is now. Um, Brandon Rhodes, all young. He's not got a beard. You know, not Brandon Rhodes. Brandon Rose, sorry. Uh, Mark yeah. Maria's in it. He's it, it, he. This has been on the turn podcast. It's still popular. He hadn't really become, like, the vlogger that he's on now. But it took so long for this to come out, and... It's kind of just lost its luster. And it was pretty, like, he threw some shade. Like, one thing, this guy has always thrown some shade at somebody. You know what I mean? He oh, doesn't, always. Always. He, I think he hates Mayfield as well. Yeah, he, he definitely doesn't. Like, remember when he threw Mayfield under the bus at the hot, in the hot rod hobby one? He's like, oh, yeah, make sure you get that, yeah. that pro line check. You know, and all that type of stuff. Um, <laughs> but he kind of, like, I know there was something that happened between him and probably Alex uh, Morelli. And the owners of Indy, well, Alex doesn't work at Indy anymore. Um, it just kind of ended weird. Like, oh, yeah, Indy hasn't opened up since they got rid of... I just like, wow. It just looked... It's not the best 5150 movie that they've made. And I just thought it was kind of weird. Like, they spent two minutes talking about PMB and DNC at one point. Like, like he's almost like he was almost advertising, like, hey, I can do this for your tracks. I mean, don't get me wrong. This guy does great work. Great, his videos are awesome. Yeah. But, you know, it got to the point, like, I'm going to say it, where it just became about certain drivers and not the actual race sometimes. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? I, I really hated that. And You know the you know, the early ones, the re-race one, yeah. where, like, Tesla still with HP, and, like, uh, there was some other really good ones. Roar Nationals 2014, that was a really good one. Uh, that was qualifying to the worlds uh and that like those old ones they were really good they were following obviously ty and drake and the pro line guys much more than anyone else but it, it wasn't as much sort of in your face and mm-hmm. like since then i'd say like hard to say but like for a long time already yeah it only because about really Ty at of, one point like you know what i mean yeah i mean i kind of like i, I kind of lost interest when i saw the first two ones where he was just like it was only about Ty or it was only about some random pro line racer right um so, so with this with this one it was just kind of I, I mean it's great for the texas guys and i know they've been waiting for this and all that stuff and that's cool and it, it, it highlights an iconic race that they have every year and all that type of stuff, but they haven't had it since this one. But yeah. I just, it just felt weird watching this. Um, I watched yeah. it. And don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I rather I have these than don't. And, and like for, for a certain audience, these are actually pretty good. 
because they don't have that much of an idea of the mm-hmm. RC industry. So they can catch on to this one part of the industry, which is ProLine drivers and that sort of But it wasn't, it wasn't ProLine it. because it's not affiliated with ProLine. So you couldn't say ProLine in this one. But you can see, obviously, when he filmed it, it was a lot to do with the yeah. ProLine guys. So he kind of had oh, to make, okay. you know, he kind of <laughs> had to make this... You know, you know, because Mark's on the real, he he runs Pro Line. Born Horse was a big feature. Techno yeah. was a big feature. Um, he he did he did feature uh, Tebow a lot on this and all that stuff because he had just kind of started with Techno, so it was just a little bit different. And then like he spent like a minute and a half talking about DNC and PMB. I'm like, I, the PMB is what I couldn't get. He's like, it's the same format. I was like, what? what? Three day. He connected three day PMB with three days icebreaker. I'm like. How does that even make a connection to me? Like, I just didn't get that part of it. Like, I didn't get that part of the of the of the film. But man, I it's just weird. Um, this guy is really awesome at his, what he does, and that's making these great movies and stuff. Like, he's done some good yeah, stuff. He's... But I just like Definitely. it. Just well, because the, that whole happy little fiesta is kind of broken up. You know. Horizon broke that all up. They bought ProLine. Yeah. Ty had to leave. Drake had to leave. You know, he didn't get any money. Rackenberg was $8,000 per one per video to do. So it's like that whole yeah. happy fiesta's gone and that whole vibe's gone, if you ask me. But it kind of did get yeah. kind of. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's good for the Texas class. I know they would I'd like out, to see. I'd like to see live RC fund his videos. I'd well, like to see how that would turn I out. I actually thought that's what he was kind of trying to do. Like, it's like with the PMB and DNC highlights, like, hey, look what I can do for your race. But to be honest, I just I just don't know. I, maybe he has to work with live RC. I don't know. Like, we'll work with them. I think, I think the best case scenario is have somehow live RC fund it. Let's say with Joey at DNC or with race time at PMB, but have somehow independent funding where you don't really have to follow. You're actually doing there something. I don't know if he's any good at it or if he's just good at editing and voiceovers, but like if he has some artistic view well, just of so like how to present an RC race, it's like, well, I mean, come on. It takes a long yes, time. Yes, it takes long, but for eight grand, that's two months' salary pretty much for yeah. a regular person. You definitely get a video done in two months. I don't know what the future holds for Corey Drakenberg uh, and 5150. With his skills, I'm sure he can do many other things besides RC. I'm sure he does other things besides RC. His videos are great. I'm, I'm not going to lie and sit here. I didn't like... The, the world's one, man, it was all mostly about tie. I was like, well, other people, you know, ran the race too. I just, yeah. when it started getting all about tie, and that's fine because I get it. He likes tie, and that's his people's Canadian and all that stuff. But I just like to know what happened at the race. But I would say that this was, on my on my rating, like, I, I don't know if I'll watch this again. You know what I mean? It was just like, it yeah. probably could have been cool. And it geared up to be about the ProLine guys. And I just, like, didn't understand why he threw in PMB and DNC. Maybe you guys, maybe, if you guys know, if you watch it, maybe you have opinions on that, too. Let me know. But uh, I hope he does I think it's for a little bit different audience, really. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's great also for 
maybe introduce, maybe not. I don't know if it's great for introducing people to RC too. I, I don't. It's like because you kind of have to. I be thought into you were gonna it. say I don't think. I, I thought you were gonna say I don't know if it's great for anything. No, no, no. I don't think it's. <laughs> I, you I, didn't go that far yet. No, no. I don't know if it's great for getting because you kind of have to be into RC to know who these people are. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think I think he does a rather good job at that. Oh, I think he does really good at, at presenting Ty and yes, well, whoever yes, yes. Proline guy was at the race. But like the thing that for us, for people who know these guys already, and for people who know these are only Proline guys, it's a bit annoying. Yes, but I if it's someone that. who has no idea, he actually does a pretty okay job. I don't, I wouldn't say a good job, but an okay job like that way but the videos are really nice to look at and like oh, the, yeah. the editing the voiceovers all this that's really good i i enjoy that one I, I can i can admire and uh appreciate the work and effort that he put in to do that and yeah he's had yeah, some good, sure. he's had some good videos and stuff i i kind of hope he doesn't go anywhere but i hope he kind of refocuses and maybe not it, it kind of being more about the actual race than one person. I get it. You sometimes to make a story, you have to be one person. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Let me know yeah, what you I guys mean, think. To be honest, like, how much criticism did the F one drive to survive get? Like, how much criticism did like, driven get from RCGP from everybody? You know what I mean? I'd say, I'd say not that much. I it think driven was. Oh, I listened to. Did. I listened to like, uh, like the guys who earned the hobbyplex. Um, up in Omaha, bashed the shit out of it. Like, like, and one yeah. guy watched it while he was driving. I was like, you didn't even watch it. Like, you know, so some people did bash it, but there's also, yeah, RC politics is yeah. a funny Well, thing. I don't know. The third one, the third, the third one was a different style, yeah. but at least the first two ones for me were like really freaking good. Yeah. The third one, I'd be, I'd say that's also directed more to outsiders, a bit more than the first two ones were. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I think the Drivens has been pretty damn good. Yeah, but I've it's, it's received it. some criticism too. So it's all good, man. I can't yeah. do what this guy does. So I mean, come on, people in American people criticize where people where the they world. were being it's, sent money. Yeah. It's not just, Americans it's said, I don't want the money I, I'm being sent by the government. I don't want it. Like, come on. If you can criticize that, you're gonna criticize anything. Hey, I people That's criticize. why I don't trust Americans. Oh gosh. Well, you don't trust anybody. That was because obviously a joke. You don't trust anybody because I've Europeans have been. I've seen Europeans being some of the most critical people in the world too. Um, oh yeah, I, I just Especially think look, Southern Europeans. Oh, see, look where he goes. There's, there's never Finnish people. <laughs> uh, there's never Finnish people. Um, look, I'm not bashing Corey Drakenberg or Fifty One Fifty. I think what he's done is great. Um, I just think this was like, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because there's so much, yeah. so much drama and baggage attached to this video too. Um, yeah, I haven't watched any of his stuff in like two to three years, so don't well, really it's know. Also shows it as YouTube. The, last, the last ones I watched weren't really good, and well, I watched many of the last ones. Well, it shows in his YouTube comps because his views are on too. So yeah, yeah. But if you upload once a year, that's gonna happen, obviously. Yeah. Like, come on. All right. Well, real quick before we get out of her upcoming events. We have the Southern Nationals this weekend coming up, starting to tomorrow, I believe, today. People are making their way there, or people are there already. Probably one of the best indoor venues you could ever go to. Good luck to everybody doing that. We have Masters of Dirt next weekend at Brent. He just released a video. That's a fun 10-scale race to go to. 
U.S. Open at Sun City RC Raceway, October 8th and 12th. Put that on your calendars, people. You can win some money. Go check that out. Blue Ridge Nationals at uh, the October 29th to 31st. And then AMS, November 11th to 14th. So lots of racing still to go in this year, and it's good to see. Max, it is time to go on to the Beach RC Bench Racing Q&A. Are you ready? Definitely. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So, fill up your cart and check out at beachrc.com today. Wow, Max, wake up, wake up. And thank you to Beach RC for their support of the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you to Brent, Lucas, and all the Beach RC crew. A brick and mortar shop doing things big, but a lot of money back into RC. We have an affiliate link. If you guys can use that, it helps this pod, it helps this podcast, helps us. Thank you to Beach RC. Go check them out at www.beachrc.com or find our affiliate link in the written description. All right, Max. So we don't actually have too many questions, but I'm going to start out with my favorite Instagram your favorite Instagram stalker who loves you to death and always has something to say. My to you. stalker. Yes. This guy loves you. Oh God. Uh, Hyperfox21. Can you please tell Weekend Warriors to stop asking for pro setups? Midwest racers asking Cali Kings for their setup at JBRL. It's like asking Max what razor he uses. <laughs> who is this guy i don't know Winter Fox? he's on instagram hyperfox 2.1 okay hyperfox like f f u x x okay um well uh there's two sides to this there's there's the Pros, most of the time, have a pretty okay setup on their cars. But they also do things to make the car really fast. So, let's say, oftentimes, my car is really good to drive and really easy to drive. Then I go one degree down on tow. The car is not that easy to drive, but I gain a lot of speed. Now, let's say I was not as good of a driver as I am, I was a beginner or just a guy who runs for fun. For me, when I go one degree down on that toe, the rear end becomes too slippery for, for now me being not a good driver or let's put it just a hobby driver. Mm. For a hobby driver, when you go one degree down on toe, now the car is too difficult to drive and you actually start to lose speed because you make more mistakes. So oftentimes I post the setup or someone asks me for a setup, I say this setup and increase one degree of toe. Almost every time I do that. Because I know from experience, from trying to set up, that when I have three degrees of toe in, in the rear, the car is really easy to drive. For me, it doesn't have enough steering and it has a, a bit too much rear grip to keep the corner speed up that I can keep on the track. But if I drive slower, the car is really easy to drive. And for a driver that isn't 
as skilled as me or isn't as fast as me, having uh, three degrees of towing is easy to drive and probably faster for them. For me, the two degrees of towing can be faster. Sometimes even for me, it isn't. But a lot of times it is faster and that's why I run it. And that's the issue really is you can run pro driver setups, but you need to be aware of where they cut the corner of drivability to gain or made the compromise of drivability to gain speed. So you need to know if they're running, let's say, really thick rear spring or really thick rear roll bar to gain corner speed uh, instead of drivability. Or if they have sort of, a, like I said, towing in the rear, they could have a, they could have the rear diff a bit stiffer. That could be one center differ differential stiffer. That could be one. Uh, in the front end, you could do a lot. You can do softer front end, stiffer front end. You can do more kick up, less kick up. Those type of things could work either way, depending on the rest of the setup. So really, you can and you probably should look at pro diver setups, but you should and you really need to find out what are the things that they made the car faster and made it a bit harder to drive in the process because most likely for just a regular joe at the track or even guys running expert but not pro most likely the easier setup is better for them for well, some drivers it depends not, on track too. but like he mentioned jbrl oh, yeah, well, so we're going to talk about pro line oh, okay pro line track this is blown out. i was yeah. talking to the spin radical one, rat spin Walker spin rat. Who I, I should just like, dude, I'll qualify Cav, like you know what I mean, and then came yeah. second, and he's just like, oh, I was just loose and blown out like motocross, and I just you know, he's he's gotten really fast in the last couple of years he's been racing, and it's like I just you know it just was good like you that's also what we got to look at like the tracks in California are completely different from. But Midwest guys, like it's like an East Coast guy asking for a, a California setup, and it, unless you're like at OCRC or somewhere like that, it's just completely mm -hmm. different. Um, I kind of, I I definitely agree to an extent, but I sort of disagree because, well, okay, I agree in the terms of pro drivers that are now running, like drivers that, like let's say Mayfield or Rivkin or drivers like that, who really run to me, a bit weird setups at times, not specifically these two, but for example, right. these two. So in contrary to some other drivers who run just a basic setup all the time, let's say Ongaro, he runs always the same setup, but he struggles at certain tracks. Mm -hmm. But to copy a pro driver setup for a specific track who does this sort of switches his setup around is really hard to do correctly. And uh, unless you're running it exit at exactly that same track. But for me, I ran the same setup in all the races this year. And for one track that was really, really bumpy, really, really high grip, very different to all of the rest of the tracks. I only made two uh, minor changes to the setup. So when you have, when you sort of know your own setup mm -hmm. and when you sort of, you know how it works, you, you drive like the car wants to be driven. You talk the same language as the car. It, then you don't really need to change the setup much 
uh, at all. So let's say you're going to a track that's relatively, let's say medium grip to low grip and uh, not dusty, sort of not crazy dusty, but like normal, like the racing line with a slightly bit, slight bit of dust. If you like my setup at some other track that was like even close to being similar to that track, it most likely will work you on that track as well, the other one. So like that you can do and that you probably should do. And, but oh, yeah, always you should look at the setups, but should you run them or should you try to be fast with them? It's a bit more difficult. And actually you can do more harm copying a setup if you don't know what you're doing. So I would definitely say ask a local guy first rather than a pro. But if you know sort of what the pro is doing or he's saying what he's doing and he's recommending you something, probably you should listen to him. That was a or long her. answer, Max. That was a very long answer. Yeah. Hyperfox, see yeah. what you do to Max? You make him say long answers. <laughs> see? That was like super science. Yeah, but actually man. this is but but actually this is a, a really big thing in RC. A lot of people suffer from copying setups and wondering why they suck. I agree. Next question from Instagram comes from AE Fanboy, and it's about Jared Tebow, and he goes, where's Tebow headed? I don't know. Do you think it's a lack of 10 skill and drag racing that got him off the McLaren team? I do not. I think um, that he, it's been a long time that he, he doesn't have a 10 scale chassis sponsor, so that's not a big deal. Um, I think that the people that race drag cars don't even really know who Jared Tebow is that much. You know what I mean? They may know he's a world champion in off-road, but they don't really. It doesn't matter. His his pro ass and off it doesn't matter in hot in in what you call it. So, um, yeah. All good. I I think he's gonna get. Uh, I don't know where he goes. Maybe he goes hobby being teeping. I don't know teeking. Who knows? All right. Um. Next question. This is actually another setup question, Max. And we're not gonna go super deep, but this comes from my buddy. Uh, Tony Chandler, what's up, Tony? What's up, Joe? His son, Joe, uh, down there racing. He goes, for eight-scale off-road, out of all the adjustments that can be made before a race, what are two of the most important important adjustments that are recommended and why? Before, like, your heat or before, like, I think it's say before event. a race, but it depends on the race. But let's say when you, what's two adjustments, two basic adjustments you make? Well, I would say first. Why would I make it? Obviously, I don't it's really tires. get the question. So this is what he wants to know. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, when you go to a new track, yeah. When you go to a new track at a okay, okay, okay. So I accidentally put my flashlight on on my phone. I do that all the time. So okay, so you go to a new track. You go to a race at at the new track. Tires is number one. Uh. Number one is tires, obviously. Number two, there really isn't one setup change you have. Well, okay, for me, they okay, so I, I put it this way one is tires, that's just you need to find the right tires. After that, you can focus on everything else. But uh, for me, 
now that in Finland we don't have uh, open tires, we have controlled tires. Uh, I always go to the track if my if my car if my rear end feels like it's sticking to bumps, I raise the rear link. If it feels like it doesn't have enough grip, I lower the rear link. Uh, so all right, so I that's you. That's just that's just two changes. So you got tires. Now you find the tires that you want. Yeah. All right. Let's eliminate tires. Let's eliminate tires because that's basic. We know that. Yeah. Two changes yeah. you're gonna make right away. Like two so, changes you yeah, know that's gonna so change that's, your car right away. For me, that's the rear link and the rear springs, thicker or uh, thinner springs. Those are the two changes I make probably at this point. Once you but have the great tire. Yeah. Okay. But to be honest, with the JQ. When when it was JQ, it was uh, it was springs as well. That was one, but it was also rear towing. I think most of the time, rear okay, rear anti squat probably more. Rear anti squat and springs. That was the one I always changed with the JQ. So it's not like every car has the same thing. It's really car dependent. So you need to find the things that are really at the edge. So let's say the rear link for some grip levels, you find that the rear link is really at the edge of being too low. The car starts to flip over. You have the jack in effect. And then, you know, you raise Then when you have that effect again on another track, you can raise it. So you should always find out these things that change the car's handling in a very specific way. That is often an issue. Let's say rear end sticks to bumps. That's very often an issue when you go to a higher grip track that has uh, small bumps. Or let's say you don't have enough rear grip or you have too much rear grip uh, compared to front end. Those are the issues that you most likely will have at the new track. And that's why rear springs are really good and uh, the rear uh, upper link for me. But with the JQ, it was anti-squat and uh, springs completely, like front and rear springs both. Also, I would add to that um, ambient temperature. It depends what temperature it is, what shock oils you run to an extent. Yeah, you should always prepare for for a race. So let's say you know it's going to be hot or cold, have the right oils. It's hard to say what two adjustments you should make because every, like you said, every car is different. Every track's different. Yeah. So it's like, obviously, I'm going to say yeah, tires. I think, if you don't have the tires. I think the better, yeah, the tires is just like, if like that's number one like obviously you can tune your car after first practice and you should because you you already can feel what the issue in the car is but you should always always test the tires as well if it's open tires but yeah i think from this question i think the takeaway is that you should know what the two things are for you so all already in practice or previous races memorize what setup changes are really common that you make and that always make your car better or worse very clearly and in a specific way, let's say rear grip or sort of car roll or whatever it is. So find those. And then every time you go to the track, you immediately know what to do when you have an issue. That way you only have to make two changes to a, two minor changes to a car to get it to work. Like I said, on a very different track. Cool. Thank you, Tony. It, it's hard. I know people want a straight answer. These questions today have been like so, I wouldn't say vague, but like you could answer in, in so many I different know, ways. I know, you did. I don't want you to go so, on the 20-minute on that one. 
And don't go on a ten minute. <laughs> and don't go on a ten, ten minute tangent on this one. But on the next uh, private message, he goes, "Are the pros running modified engines, or are we or are we running the same stuff? They can run." He goes, he wants to know basically how can they run. Uh, he wants to know how can they run ten minute runs and nobody else seems to be able to do it. How come some others can run ten minutes while others can't? What does it take to run ten minutes? You're the wrong person to ask this. You cannot eat you yeah. have bad few models. Oh well, I mean it's it was weird actually. I think I think the biggest issue has been the way I tuned my engines in the past. And that must have been because I always ran different fuels. I ran sideburn at one point, nitrolux at one point. So now I've sort of everything in my engine program is set up and the way I want it to be, and it works perfectly. So I think now because this year at every race, I had one of the best mileage. At the last race, I ran 7.30 when others ran like six minutes. So I had okay mileage uh, from now on. But I would, I can't really, I can't well, really it's, say it's a combination any of specific many things, thing. man. You have to have but, your engine tune right, your fuel right, your, you, your yeah. car needs to be f- like, it, it's not just one thing. It's so many. But you know what it comes down to at the end of the day? Using this and this. Well, left-handed. I can't hold it up. Yeah. You got to adjust. Because I yeah. watched Mayfield so, adjust his fuel strategy mid-race at the Nationals. Yeah. And he only did mm-hmm. that through his throttle finger. So it's less yeah. of this, more of this, you know, more of that. And actually, that as well, if you drive a lot... I'm talking because, about yeah, but like... Because even that, like, obviously, number one is engine tune. If you are running 10 minute, 10 minute, like, uh, with a tank, the engine is always lean. There's no way you're running 10 minutes with the engine rich. And uh, that's number one. So anyone can do 10 minutes pretty easily if you just lean on the engine and then just learn to how to drive with it. How about a special mix of fuel to make you go longer? That could work too that and that that has a huge effect fuels can have like half a minute difference in tank length and there's a lot of like small things that can affect it but in reality like most of these pro like tebow tebow and drake are probably the only pros that do crazy long tanks constantly constantly like, yeah yeah other every other guy drake. is like every other guy ain't doing 10 minutes yeah, and the, the way Drake does it is just he leans on the engine and drives differently. That's, I think, all he does. Me too. He could have some little things like changing the Venturi or changing fuel, but I'm pretty sure what he does, he leans on the engine and just drives differently. And really, like, also with the throttle finger, it doesn't matter if you're, like, always full throttle, really, but it matters like how you do it. So let's say you let the car slide a lot uh, and then you go on power or you let the car sort of, uh, the tires just uh, roll around doing nothing. You use a lot more fuel there, even though if you're really like try to be smooth or don't use full throttle, you kind of have to know where to use the throttle you have and, and always use it to go forwards. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you and you can also do it so that you drive in the mid range of the engine for the whole time, which makes the engine usually a bit rich. So you can make the engine a bit rich by driving that way, which also uses more fuel. So 
I'd say just like try to use the throttle in a way that always puts the car forward. Mm-hmm. Doesn't direct it into a new direction, but always pulls it forward. So steer the car in the right direction and then accelerate. Yeah. I think that's you want to be going forward. You want to be momentum. You don't want to be spinning yeah. wheels. You want to be you want to be going exactly. forward every time. Now to do that, you it might not be full throttle. It might be like feathering till you get to full throttle. You know what I mean? It's lots exactly. of things. Yeah. All right. Couple more questions there. RC Kevin, he'll be joining me uh, next week to post uh, a live. He wants to know how much of setup info transfers from eight scale transfers over to two wheel drive buggies. Yeah, I saw this question on Facebook, and to be honest, like setup is setup. Everything transferred to everything. Let's say like someone says, yeah, you need to use thicker springs because thicker springs are good. Like, yeah, obviously that doesn't transfer to 10 scale, but like generally if you watch JQ's videos or my videos, for example, everything I say is perfectly, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's pretty much exactly the same 10 scale. There's pretty much no difference. Some things, let's say, in tool drive, it's a bit different with differentials. It's a bit different with weight bias and stuff like that. But that's just because the sort of starting situation is very different. But in general, if you know your starting situation and then apply what you know from 8 scale to 10 scale, it works perfectly fine. So there really is no difference. But the hard part is knowing your starting situation. So knowing, let's say, the weight bias of the car, knowing your roll center of the car, knowing the height of the center of gravity and all that, and then it translates. And that's often why people say that, yeah, I can't tune 10 scales because they don't, they never figure out the 10 scale uh, things. And uh, to be honest, I really never have of the cars I run at the one because I barely run them at races, I just practice with them, keep in touch and run a club race here and there. So yeah, that's pretty much it. You just need to know where you're starting from. Then everything applies. Okay. Nathan Genda, if Max can make one major improvement to a car design, what would it be and why? Which car or all the cars? Any car. Let's say your associate, let's say your associated car or cars period. Associated cars period. Car. Let's say cars period. Something that cars can benefit. One improvement. Not nitro only. So every car. Yeah, let's just say cars. Racing cars. Eight scale. It's really hard to say. I'd, I'd put diff height adjustment up there. Mm. And in a, in a, <clears throat> in a very, like, very easy way. Why? Like... Because it matters a lot more than people think. That's probably one of the very easy ones. Yeah, if you want to use that word, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Defied adjustment, probably. Um, That's probably the single biggest one. There are a lot of other things, but that's probably the biggest one. I'd make an e-buggy with quick release battery technology yeah that's a good one as well yeah that's so, what i've i talked about uh in one of my videos i just rewatched it today or i would um 
I, w- I know this is going to make it more spendy for people, but it would be so cool. Quick release, eight scale wheels. So you have to do mandatory tire changes. Yeah, that, I mean, that like, yeah, you don't really need that for anything, but that would be really cool. Yeah. I would be. But for as that. for innovation wise, I don't know what I would want in a new car. I wouldn't know till I saw it. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what I want. A car that I can yeah. um, just easily get work on to everything. Like radio tray can be out yeah. in a few minutes. Few, you know, that engine can be out. Everything, like you can strip your car and put it back together fast. Easy to work on. I think that's what we're going to figure out is cars are going to just get easier to work on as we get. That's where the innovation is yeah. going to Well, one thing, okay. One major thing is to make the damn cars lighter. Why are these cars so heavy? We're like 300 grams well, you, off Yeah, the, well, where you can put weight limit. on it. You still have a weight limit, but you can you can use that weight as a tuning option better. That would be great. Yeah, but like right now, most cars are like 3,400 to 500. Some cars even heavier than that, except for Kyosho, which is like 3,200. And that's like 300 grams too heavy. Because the limit is 300, 2,000. 3,200. Mm. How is that so hard to say? And we are at like three and a half kilos. I don't know. Where would you lose that weight? To? You don't know that you don't know them. Well, everywhere. Arms, uh, diff boxes, uh, engine mounts, sensitive mount. You start shedding. Um, let's see where you start shedding. Uh, not quality. Yeah, but Kyosho, Kyosho is at three, three, three thousand two hundred and like fifty, without any titanium screws, without any aluminum stuff, like to like, making it lighter. I don't know. Maybe that is the next. Make it yeah. lighter, and then maybe make a car. Well, that's Kyosho did it. Kyosho did it like ten years ago, a, so it's not like next thing. Make but a car that's other other brands should catch up, and then you can have. It has 3,000 grams and you have 200 grams to play with. I would, I think the optimum would be make a car as light as you can and then just add weight. Yeah, that's what I mean. Make it like 3,000, 3,100 and then just add 100 grams wherever you, you need want. it. Yeah, I think that's the best way to. Yeah. I think that's the best way to. All right. Um, last question comes from my buddy Benjamin James and he goes, do you think RC would benefit from partnerships with full scale series or organizations like Monster Jam, AMA, Supercross, Motocross, Nitro Circus, IMSA, NASCAR, and others who have setups at their events. Of course I do. I would just not, I don't want to set I up. Think the, just, yeah. We don't need a setup. We need to do what RCGP was thinking of doing, which was actually um, putting a uh, an actual race on, like a proper race on. Yeah. But I would only, then I would not have a race with 3,000 entries. I would just have... Uh, like a limited entry. Yeah, that's keep, that was the issue. Like keep people excited. When RCGP wanted to do it, it would have always had to be that there were motocross, and then or, or any other sport really, like motocross rally, whatever. There was, for example, motocross, and, uh, and then RC track would be built like neck, like close mm-hmm. to it or in the paddock area, and then like you would have only the pros there. Because obviously, that's, obviously, you it's really hard to have an open race. That's when all it's you need. Like, but people are gonna get butthurt yeah. about but not being issue, able to race at that race. Exactly, and also the big issue is the fact that RCGP doesn't make any money from like the entry money entries. Mm-hmm. 
So all the money they need to make through sponsorship or, uh, and they also probably would have to pay to be at the motocross race. Exactly. So you still have to pay yeah, for that. And you have to do so, it right. You can't do it wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, exactly. And and the, th- the thing is like the motocross race or whatever race, MotoGP race, Formula One race, they can screw the RC race off by just putting it in a really bad place where people don't see it. So it's like a lot of money wasted for nothing. So it's a huge risk and it's really hard to, because a lot of these times, like uh, for example, like motocross race organizers are like, really like uh happy with you in the beginning like hey yeah yeah of course we're gonna do this and blah 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 and then it gets harder and harder and it all just falls apart like anything. and then it's like they try, to, they try to take it. everything they can not saying that we should oh try. definitely should try but it's really hard and that's why there really hasn't been any I agree. but it, it it definitely would help uh still not sure if it's worth the money because I'd, because I really prefer to have races at real RC tracks so that people get to know these real RC tracks. For example, in Florida, the race uh, Wicked Weekend, where that guy filmed the video with millions of views, people well, were asking in, in the comments. Oh, Georgia, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in the comments were asking, "Where's this track? We're nowhere now. It's yeah, gone. They built it for the race." That's true. So, like, like this is this is the thing why what Race Time is doing, or even kind of what Joey was doing for a few years, is really not good for the sport. Building a track somewhere where there isn't going to be a track and having a race there is is not a good thing. It's it can be a good for an event for a one time thing, but when it happens, like, okay, Neo Buggy was great. I'll take <laughs> some of that back, but like. I get what you're when trying to say. Like, you're saying it's a yeah, good thing, but when, at the when same we're, time, yeah, when we're when we're getting away from the RC tracks where people can go to, it's worse and worse. So the more races at these uh, one-time venues we have, the worse thing it is. Neo Buggy obviously was a bit of a specific event, and they also did a pretty good job of promoting other tracks around UK. But really, I prefer there'd be no events at one time and one time sort of events apart from like really good chance like this one. Well, that's not going to change. I, I, I get oh, what you're no, saying, definitely not. but I'll be honest with you, man. Indoor racing has a place for people in RC. Oh no. The race time as a business model, yeah. the race time is great. And yeah. as races, they are okay. And they're definitely improving. But if I would choose, if this was a perfect world, let's, let's put it that way all the races would be at existing tracks. Like, think about that. the glory of Montpellier. Yes. Or think about, like, uh, well, Pattaya, what it used to be. Mm-hmm. That was a huge one. Like, people knew that exact track. Well, that, that track was race. crazy. That yeah, Cinetic as well. Unique. Or Barco in Europe for the Euro contest. That was, like, the track. Like, you went to that track for that race. And you get to know that track. And Also, I'm sorry. If we yeah. do this... If you do this at an event, it can't be electric. No, I, I, I'm no telling way. you, yeah. nothing gets people attracted and attention when they, until they hear of 10, one nitro car startup and it's 10, 15 yeah. of them. Like, oh, people say, oh, and this, and this race would have about, to be geared strictly to spectators and hyped up. I would, yeah, it would, it could be done, but it has to be done right. And it will cost a lot of money to do. And the manufacturers yeah. really want to get behind it. But yeah. like when there's people watching, 
and there's an electric race going, people think they're just practicing. They don't know what race is going. If the announcer not, is really good, no, I'm just telling you, like electric is in the way. Like you gotta have noise, and yeah, yeah, all that type of stuff. Yeah, the thing, like if, if you're watching an electric race, you're just waiting when they start up the car. You know, you're just waiting like when the race starts because there's like nothing happening. It's like really quiet noise. The cars go around the track, then goes a beep, and oh, okay, all cars are finished. Obviously, announcer can change that and make yes. it completely the opposite. I've seen like what Scotty done with uh, yes. EOS races and stuff like that. Like okay, like but in Nitro, even if there's like nothing happening announcing wise, it can be really interesting yes. just by watching the cars. It's much more enjoyable. I, I definitely want to do it, but we got to do it right. We can't be some half-assed like bubbling idiots. It's got to be done right by the right people, mm-hmm. professionally. Um, but great questions, great questions this week. Thank yeah, you, everybody. Really, for like well, long ones as well. Like you the made questions, them not long. You made them but long like, by no, but like if you if you you need to ask me like, hey, should I raise my upper link? And I answer yes. Next one, like that's an that's a easy question. But if you ask like, hey, when should I raise my upper link? Like now you get a long a long answer. You know. Well, anyway, guys, thank you for your questions. Keep them coming. Uh, if you guys can use that affiliate link that's in the written description of this podcast, showing Beach RC some love, shows the podcast some love in turn. Max, we're going to bring you back for the SCRC thought of the day. I'm going on to the Techno RC interview with Norca founder and uh, the man who started it, J.R. Sitman. Thank you to Techno for their support of the podcast as well. Max, I'll hit you back up for the Sun City RC Raceway down and quiet and conclusion after this. All right. Thank you for your answers, by the way. Science mode. Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer specializing in 8th and 10th scale high performance off road RC buggies and trucks. Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. Techno RC, excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. Well, thank you to Techno RC for bringing us the main interview this week on the No Name RC podcast, episode number 142. As you guys have heard, I've mentioned this and Joseph and many other people that have come onto the podcast when it comes to governing federations. We always talk about Roar, IFMAR, EFRA, um, FEMCA, and FARMAR, which are the main ones now. But back in the 80s, there were two. Actually, another one started and competed with Raw. I want to say. And that organization was called NORCA, or the National Organization for Racing Radio-Controlled Autos. You've heard us talk about it quite a bit because um, I used to see it in the magazines, and then you might hear some of the old-school guys talk about winning some NORCA championships and stuff like that. So when Greg Dagani reached out to me and goes, Hey, I just found NORCA's president on facebook or something i can't remember how your name came up and i was like, do you know who he is i was like i do not greg and he's like yeah jr sitman so um he put me in contact with you we finally wrangled a time that we could get you on here i'm um, thank you for coming on mr sitman welcome no um jr sitman so mr sitman or can i just call you jr jr is absolutely fine okay I, I always like to talk to, when I get to know somebody, I like to find out uh, we have this one thing in common that we like RC racing. How did that start for you? When did, was your first taste of RC racing and what made you get into it? 
Well, the beginning of Norca uh, was, it's a bizarre story. I owned a computer repair company in Reseda and right next to us was the hobby shop uh, race prep owned by Butch Dunn. Uh, and um, I believe, it, I know his sons were involved. Steve, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Steve my, and Steve and Mike, yeah. yeah. And so uh, my friend of mine, his wife bought him an RC car and he didn't even want it. He, he had it for a year and still in the box. And I said, well, if you don't want it, I'll take it and put it together. So I built his car, used to uh, play with it out in the back parking lot of my uh, repair company. And I, I just got hooked. So I started going to race prep all the time, ended up spending a ton of money, you know, trying to make the car lighter and so forth. And then, um, Went to, used to go to the, the ranch, the pit stop and yeah. run some races. Uh, was, I was absolutely terrible. Cause like everybody else that starts RC, you got to have the fastest motor and you want to go the fastest, but now you've got the fastest car and you have no control. So uh, that's, uh, how I got started. Uh, Norca, what happened is Butch Dunn and Lou Peralta, who, uh, used to, uh, publish RC news. Mm -hmm. They owned Orca O R R C A. And, um, I, I forget who the, there was a f friend of theirs that they asked him to start it back up and he said, okay. And he asked me, I said, sure, I'll, I'll help you. Cause I knew a lot about databases and getting in touch with people and publishing and stuff. So that didn't, that, um, the Butch Dunn and Lou Peralta told him that they'll lend him, $5,000, which was left in the Orca account. And he mm -hmm. said, no, I'm not borrowing money from you. Uh, you can give me the money. And that didn't work out. So I said, you know what? I was excited about it. I said, okay, well, I'll do it. I don't need your money. Um, so I, uh, I'm not, it's been kind of what, 20 years I'm trying to remember the, the whole story. And so, um, I was, I was, it was going to be called new Orca. Mm -hmm. And then that, we, when the, when the negotiation between me and them didn't work out, um, Neil of, um, I forget that he, he used to build motors. Um, he said, well, let's take, I, I already published the, the, the initials and the, mm -hmm. pump, uh, the, the, the material, uh, not much material, but Norca. And he came up, he said, okay, well, let's, let's call, let's use these initials and call it this. And so that's how the name came up. So, um, I just started putting stuff together and I started doing advertising in RC news and got a fairly good response. I mean, I really hadn't planned on anything. And at the time I was unaware of roar. Uh, I wasn't there to compete with anybody. I was just going to try and help the local area, just the, that area get RC going again. Cause, cause when they, when Butch Dunn and Lou Peralta just stopped doing it, they just stopped doing it. And they, they had an existing track. So, uh, I went there and, and we did some preps and got, got the track ready. We ran, didn't really run any events, just did some, had some people come over and stuff and uh, with the, the, the advertising and I decided there was, um, no events coming up. So it's kind of weird rather than have little small events. I decided, well, I'm going to do a, a Norca nationals. So just, mm -hmm. you know, start at, start at, at, at the highest level. And, um, so we had a deal with, uh, the, the hobby shack, which was in, Glendora or San Dimas. Uh, we put together the nationals done, did tons of advertising. And then he was getting the track owner was getting complaints from, um, the neighbors cause that they would run their races in the evening and the loudspeaker was bothering the neighbors. So the city city wrote him 
couple citations and told him stop, 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 keep it down, whatever. And he did start to turn it down. But then like the week before the nationals, the city shut him down. Mm. So I, so I, I had no track, nowhere to go. And I was kind of friends with, uh, at that time, cause it was all new to me with, um, uh, Gil Losey. Mm-hmm. And then I met, uh, so I asked him, I said, can you help me out? And he said, well, that weekend belongs to the, the, um, the off-road gas cars. And he said, well, let me get in touch with Gary Owens and see. And, and then uh, I met him and, and he agreed to, to stop their event and let us use the track, which was, I mean, he turned out to be a, a, a wonderful friend of mine. And, uh, so, uh, Gary Kais, uh, did the announcing. I really didn't do a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually raced in, in the event, um, uh, was, was obviously terrible, but that, that's how we got started. And so that, that event went really, really well. Uh, Gary Kais did a super job of, of, you know, getting it going. And he was telling people, he said, you know, there's, there's a couple little problems, but you know, this is Norca's first event, you know, give him, give him the opportunity, let him get started. And and so he was very, very helpful. And then we had the, uh, the one, the only really incident we had the, the motor tear down and they, uh, the stock motors and the race prep motors, the, the wind was, it was supposed to be, I think 22 AWG and there's, there's was 22 AWG, but it was, um, I think that's what it's called, but it was a, uh, a Japanese version. So it was actually a thicker wire and there was a big controversy about that. And, but anyway, that blew over. That didn't make, um, Gil Losey too happy, but the, the event went well, uh, competition plus and RC news published it. And that's really where we started. The, mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't really pursue it. I didn't, I never contacted uh, the, the entire 15 years. I don't think I ever contacted a track and said, do you want to join? It was just the first event went well and I'm, I'm really rigid. So the event went really well, not, not that event so much, but the events after that, uh, you know, I made sure they started on time. You had, uh, you know, after your race, you had so much, you had 30, 30 seconds to a minute. I forget what it depend on the race, put your radio away, get out there and turn off. And the races just went like clockwork. And mm-hmm. that was a huge portion of why we grew and we grew so fast because the, the racers, they would come, uh, they knew the race was going to start, you know, on time, you know, within five or 10 minutes and they'd be out of there, you know, in, in, a reasonable amount of time. And, and a lot of the, the tracks that I talked to, the racers were like, you know, we'd get there at, at seven o'clock in the evening and we go home at 1am because, you know, like racers were allowed to call a timeout or I need a break or I'm not ready. It's like uh, in, in my events, if you're not ready, you're yeah. not racing. That's all you it's know, supposed I mean, get, to happen. Get, get to the track. I mean, you, you've been there all day and, and, you know, and uh, so that was a big, big portion of why we spread because the publicity was good and, and the racers liked it. And, um, so, so that that's that, that's the beginning of it. Okay, I I wanted to track back on Orca. So that was already uh, a fun, a federation that was what like California based or how did that? Yeah. Work? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, and they I don't I I didn't know them. I just mm-hmm. I knew Lou Peralta and and Butch Dunn, and they they're the ones that told me about it. But I had never never heard of it, and they they had shut it down. I guess it was just too much of a bother for them. They didn't want to be running races and stuff. But they had a track and they had a driver stand and. Mm-hmm. So we just use that. Okay. And according to Wikipedia, I'm, I'm trying to get the dates here. It says that uh, Norca was established in 1987. Is that about yep. correct? Okay. Yep. So um, the the Raw, not, I think like Jay Housley won the Raw, Raw Ifma, sorry, won the Ifma Worlds in 
1986, I want to say. So maybe a year after Jay won that. All right, so you kind of, it's it's weird. Then you kind of just stumbled onto this. Like, as as a beginner in RC, you got this this Orca Federation, and then, you know, you kind of got the rug pulled out from underneath you. Then you figure out, hey, we can still use the initials. Let's call it this. And then, like, it's, it's crazy, because I thought, like, maybe the reason you guys done this was to compete with Raw, but it was actually, like, you kind of not stumbled on it, but it was kind of like, yeah, like, almost like you stumbled on it. Yeah, I, I had no intention of competing with Roar, and I and I admit I had didn't know there was a Roar, so I you know we weren't I you know I, I was it was going to be just local, not even just California, just that local area. Right, right. But there were, and then I found out that there were more tracks around, and then people heard about us, and you know, like I say, I, I never went and solicited. You want to join Norca? I never had to. They started they started coming to us, and it was amazing for me how how quickly the word got out and you know, how fast we, we, we grew. And, you know, we went, once I started doing the events that actually needed sponsors and it cost us money, it, it wasn't at the beginning, it was a little difficult getting sponsors. I mean, one, one company that was really reluctant uh, was Novak. You know, he, he, he did not believe that there should be another organization. And, and I, and I, I mean, I never pushed him or said, well, you know, why, or, you know, so I, and that's, that's fine. And, and so I think, it was probably maybe two years before he came on board and we, we always got along really well. He just, he just, just didn't think there should be two organizations, but with the, the publicity Norca was getting, it was, it became much easier to get sponsors because mm. they could, they, their names were in the magazines. We always, every, every event we did, I always paid someone to write an article so that the publicity was there. And we just grew. And at, and at one point, I'm stepping forward a little, a little fast, but at one point, maybe about eight years into it, we, our membership, our active membership was higher than Roars. Do you, can you, do you have number? Do you know what numbers it was? Because I've been I, trying to get numbers for a while. Wikipedia says 14,000. It says Roar was boasting the, at the time the largest with 14,000. And then 17,000 in 1994 and 17,000 in 2002. So. I, I would say those numbers are, I, from what I recall, that's, that's pretty accurate. Okay. All right. But I don't know if Roar's numbers, you know, if, if that's active members mm-hmm. or I thought they had, a, I thought they had more members than that. Well, they so also that number, do on road and everything else. Did you guys do that as well? Or was it? Oh just... yeah, we did. Okay. We, we were, we did it all. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We only start, only started out with off road. Okay. That's, that's all I had intended to do. That's all I like to do. And, uh, you know, so that, that's where we started and then, uh, went into, I guess to progressed into, uh, dirt oval, uh, then, uh, asphalt oval road course. And then our, our final edition, which wasn't, Really, much of an addition was we did gas, so well, there weren't a lot of places that you could run gas in in, mm-hmm. in in California anywhere. So we didn't. That wasn't a big part of what we did. But we used to race at a really really cool location in um, Dominguez Hills. It was the it was it was a bicycle velodrome. Mm. Oh yeah, and we actually it was huge, and we actually rented it. It was in really good smooth condition, and the the races there were were incredible. And we had uh, we actually built. Um, um, pit stands for the drivers down at the, at the, where the, down, down at the bottom. And we had a timing system 
that was built by uh, BNB software that when they came through that we could tell if they were speeding because they, we had limits, you know, they had to slow down mm-hmm. and we could tell if they were speeding. So we'd get a beep and they'd get, they'd get docked and they had to sit there and wait. And it was, it, that was a really, really fun track. Cause it was super fast. I mean, you can imagine a, a bike stadium and then the speeds that the cars would go and the cliff let, I don't know. Is cliff let still with associated. Yeah, he is. Wow. So he must be their main designer. Uh, I believe he's still active in that. I don't, I, I, I've been trying to get him on this podcast. I which I probably should know that in it. Um, but yeah, he's definitely. But he was. Definitely. I know at the, at the he was he built a a car that was it was just for just for exhibition to go and it was I don't know how many batteries the thing had, but the speed was unbelievable. I think the first time he ran it, uh, he actually blew the tires off. They mm-hmm. they just came off, and then he, then next year he you know got that under control and it was it was just. It was unbelievable to watch. I remember it in the magazines, and he was doing all that, the speed oh, runs and all that good. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I do remember that uh, Norca had the gas truck nationals too, which was pretty big for you guys, especially when gas truck was really booming in the 90s. You know, that's like when Greg and all them guys got into it. Uh, how far, I guess, if it started in 1987, when did you, did you, ever, did you ever do this full time, or did you still have another job while you was doing it? Uh, for the first, obviously for the first couple of years, there was no, no income from, from Norca. Um, so I think I probably started doing it full time because it grew pretty fast, maybe year three or four. Really? Yeah. It's a, it was, and I had, I had a secretary that used to take care of all the memberships and stuff. And I used to travel and, uh, like I say, because we grew so fast, I mean, it was twenty, it was twenty dollar membership, which is which is nothing. But mm-hmm. you know, when you've got you know five, ten, five, ten, yeah, that, that that adds up, you know. And then we didn't have you know worked out of the house, so didn't have a lot of expenses, just the traveling and stuff. And and the major races uh, never cost us. I don't think it ever cost us any money. Maybe one or two, but you know, the, the sponsors were there and they they paid for the trophies and and the track provided the staff. So yeah, it was it was it wasn't you know, a lot of money, but it was a living. Mm-hmm. What did uh, Norca used to offer racers besides the races? Was it anything like insurance? Like probably what? Roy? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. We, okay. we had, we had full insurance. You know, that was, that was, um, not really, so uh, not really attracted to the racers. I don't think mm-hmm. I never heard anybody make any comment, but it was attracted to the tracks, yes. you know, then they were covered. And, and in 15 years we had one claim and we paid it out of our pocket. It was like, the guy tripped on something and hospital bill was like 250 bucks. So we never even used the insurance. Interesting. Interesting. Now at its peak. So did Norca, where did, I guess, which was the first out of California, out of state besides California that kind of got into Norca? Like where did it grow? Did it grow right across America or did it stay like a West coast type of vibe or how did it work? You're asking me to rack my brain. Um, <laughs> I, I would, I know Nevada wasn't one of the first tracks. One of the first tracks, and I'd actually have to go, I, I probably have a list of all the tracks. And so I would say it was, um, it was definitely out of, the next track was definitely out of California. Mm-hmm. And if we do this again, I'll, I'll, I'll look up some notes and no stuff worries. and maybe give you some more, more specifics. But yeah, it's like I say, it's been, quite a while since so, I've done this. 
So where did it spread? Did it go right across America? Like, did you guys have regions all across America? Did you have it split up or did it? Oh yeah, we, we didn't split it into regions, but okay. we did. Uh, our, our farthest track was in Rhode Island. Really? So how did you guys do it? Like, how did you work it? Uh, well, what? we just, what uh, tracks would come to us, uh, mm-hmm. our, our, our fee for the track was a hundred dollars a year. So it was, you know, it was, I mean, nothing really. <laughs> and then they, we, we would split the, the race money with them. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and I would I would travel all the major events. I would travel to. Uh, for most of the the states, we had uh, directors. So if I wasn't there, you know, they they would take care of stuff, and that was worked pretty well. Um, what were and, your uh, roles and your director's roles at these races? Did you have more than one, or was it just one of you guys? Well, when when at a major race, I was in charge. Okay. I mean, I I ran the whole thing, and, and that and meaning that that the, that the race ran by my rules on my schedule, you know, that started, like I say, started on time. You didn't have a, there's no breaks and I need to stop. So, but no, the directors, the directors would run smaller races mm-hmm. that I, that I wouldn't fly to, but the nationals, uh, all the nationals I was at some of the championships I was at. So, but, other, but when I was there, I mean, I was running the race. How about your format? Did you make any format changes from what uh, people were currently running or did you come up with any interesting formats yourself for races? Well, we didn't, we didn't really change. I mean, our rules were, were pretty simple. I mean, our rules, honestly, after we did get started, they were very close to roars. So, I mean, I, I wasn't going to reinvent the window. So, you know, I went, went through theirs and made not really, didn't really make a lot of changes. And okay. cause I, 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 I didn't think it would be a good idea to have our set of rules and their set of rules. So they have to show up with different types of cars and, and, and so forth for the races. It wouldn't be beneficial. So I, you know, our rules were, were, pretty much honestly based off of Roar's rules. I mean, right, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah, I get that. But you just ran, ran punctual. Like, you know what I mean? And that seems, to, to to this day, to be honest, it's something we still gripe about. Races taking too long and people not getting out there to turn marshal and, and race directors not, you know, oh, we're going to dock your lap. And they never do it. Yeah. You know, it's still a well, problem I'll, I'll to give this you, day. I'll give you a funny story. In um, Connecticut, we had a race. And it was a, it was a, it was a, was it was a championship and it was a two day event. So with the way, the way that my structure was, and I don't know if Roars is the same way, but, but I don't care. But whenever the, the first day of qualifying was over and you made the A main, you're going to be last to run. But if you made the A main, you're there for the F main to turn marshal. Mm-hmm. So we're, running one of the races and one of the term marshals uh, I'm up on the stand and they're calling for him. And we, we hadn't started yet and we're calling for all the term marshals. And this one kid was the only one missing. And then I asked, is he here? And they said, yeah, he's sitting right there. And he was a, he was a good driver. He was a, he was an a main driver. He was one of the, one mm-hmm. of the locals that was, was well known. I said, and they said, yeah, he's sitting right there. So I grabbed the mic and I called out his name and, you know, if you need to be up here in term marshaling, he, didn't look up, didn't do nothing, just working on his car. So then I, when it became time for, uh, no, actually I think before I docked him a lap. So that mm. put him back in. I mean, I didn't mess around. If you're not turn marshal, you're getting it. So I docked him a lap, put him back into, um, back into where he's qualifying and his dad got in my face. 
<laughs> I mean, his dad was, you know, well, we, the, the alarm didn't go off and we were late and we had to get ready. And I said, and I was very calm. I never got upset, but he was in, I mean, he was in my face and the racers, I mean, we're inside the building and all, and the racers are all watching. And I said, well, I, I understand that. And, and that's, you know, and if, if, if you're going to be late or whatever, you know, you could have had somebody, you know, let somebody else turn much for you. I said, but you know, the problem is he was sitting in his pit working on his car being called a term marshal. I said, how is that acceptable? And, and then the guy stole my face. I and he said, you're, you're a jerk. I said, okay. Okay. So, so your son is sitting in the pit. I'm being very calm. I docked him a lap for not doing what he's supposed to be. And I'm a jerk. He says, yeah, you're a jerk or asshole. Maybe he called me. And I was just, I said, oh, okay, fine. And he walked away at the end of the event. He came up, apologized and said his son had a great time. Yeah. But he was the asshole to be truthful. Oh yeah. His son yeah, was I'm, the asshole because he didn't go out there and, and I mean, he's sitting right there in the pits, you know, yeah. wait, uh, hello, uh, Billy Bob, Billy Bob, turn marshal. Didn't <laughs> turn around, didn't look, didn't acknowledge. And I didn't know who he was until, you know, they told me where he was sitting. Was, yeah. All right. So I guess now by this time, raw knows who you are. Were you guys battling each other? Was there any push no? We Ron? we actually we absolutely worked together when, really? because of this. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as schedules and stuff, because mm-hmm. I was a businessman. I mean, I would I'm doing this for money. You know, to, I'm I'm living off of it at this time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what? How how much sense? Roar's the biggest organization. So how much sense would it make for me to schedule my events, and my major events near Roar events? I would lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the manufacturers have to go to Roar events because they have to, that, that helps them, at least the off-road ones, qualify for the IFMAR world. Mm-hmm. So, no, we always, I won't say we, I, I always scheduled around um, their events. And that I wouldn't, it just doesn't make any sense for me not to. And there was one incident um, where Roar scheduled on top of me. I forget who was in charge at the time. No, I, Gil Osi Sr. was was president president of Roar at the time, but he didn't didn't do the scheduling. I mean, him and I were we were friends. We it was we got along great, and he helped me, and I, I was very appreciative. And they put their nationals right on top of mine, mm-hmm. and it was it was going to kill me. So I called the track owner. It was one of our tracks also, and I, I talked to him. And he said, "Well, you know, you know, I don't I don't want to step on anybody's toes, and because Roar's a bigger organization." So, uh, I scheduled a meeting with Gil Losey and, um, went there and talked to him and, you know, he was, I mean, we got along really fine. And Gary Kais was there at the time and, uh, was his work for, for Losey as vice president or whatever he was. And, you know, he, he told Gil that I had done that to them once in the future, put my event on top of theirs. Mm-hmm. And that absolutely was not true. I mean, so, but anyway, we worked it out. Gil got on the phone and actually moved their event. Mm. So I, it was, yeah, I mean, we got, there was no reason for us not to, not to get along. And I wasn't, my goal on Norca was not to compete with Roar in any way, shape or form. You know, I didn't care if they were the largest in, in the world and, and in the United States they were, and that's fine. But, you know, working, working with them, especially when I started, even all the way through was a smart thing to do. No sense to, to be button heads with, someone, you know, that's an organization that, that's larger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which which makes sense. I mean, I mean, nowadays it's so many races out there. It's hard for them to organize their races. You know what I mean? So many big races out now. I mean, uh, in the in the nitro world, there's so many as there is, uh, like. I couldn't even, I would have to sit down for about an hour and jot down all the big races I think I know in America right now. So, and and that's also a big, big issue with races now just period around America, always scheduling on top of each other, especially like, like I'll give it like the Southeast, like in the Carolinas, it's, I love it down there, but they have a, a good bit of tracks down there, lots of racers. But the weather isn't always cooperative. So when there's a sunny weekend, like there's always going to be a conflict of interest with some race. Some races, you know, maybe tracks within three hours, two and a half hours of each other. Um, and that's one of the reasons. <clears throat> and now no tracks. Like to find a track that's affiliated with Raw right now is probably like finding a needle in the haystack. That's all bad. Really? It's, yeah. Huh. That's how bad it's gotten. Um, the there is no real federation right now. Uh, they, there is in sense there is raw, and they did they put on the races and, and stuff like that. But there are so many other bigger races and tracks out there right now that are nowhere not raw affiliated. Don't want to be raw affiliated. Don't care about raw's insurance. None of that stuff. Now to say how many tracks probably aren't affiliated with raw, but like. Probably, a good bit they probably say see no benefit of being affiliated affiliated with them but that's that's just the, the deterioration of the federations over the years have gone by do you feel um that maybe having norca pushed raw a little bit though because you guys not saying you guys were competing but they had to be because they were the bigger organization they couldn't be shown up by the smaller guys so they had to keep be on top of their game as well Back in the day, the, the the change that I know that it made for them uh, wasn't was down the road. Was their races ran a little differently? Mm -hmm. They started to run like mine, with with you know on time and no bullshit. And sorry, no, that's um, fine. Yeah, so that that's the only real change that I I know that that they made. I know at the beginning it was funny. Uh, Bob Rule, who's who's a friend of mine from Bowling. From bowling, you know, you know, yes. bowling. He's, he's not he's not involved with bowling anymore. His son is, but I I took their, and this was like first couple of years. Took Roar's um, membership card, mm -hmm. and I made mine very very similar, and it made him mad. I, I didn't know him at the time, because it was he said I spent, uh, you know, days designing that thing, and I said, well, it didn't make any sense for me to just. <laughs> start from scratch. I mean, it was, it was just a membership card and, and he said, ah, well, uh, no big deal. So we became friends and that, that was interesting at, at the beginning. But as far as changes, I mean, I, like I say, I wasn't involved with roar. Uh, I didn't like the way that the only thing I didn't like is, is that the, and it probably maybe is still today is that the manufacturers had a lot of say in roar and I didn't, then they had, they had no say in what we did. I had, uh, I had a board of directors not published. Nobody knew who they were. They were not uh, Bolink or Associated or any of those. Any, no manufacturers at all. And I would, you know, I did made the decisions, most of the decisions myself. But I would always go to them and say, "Well, if we do this or what." And so that was great. And and I got asked. Nobody believed me. I shouldn't say that. 
people didn't believe me that manufacturers weren't involved, but I never made a decision mm-hmm. that benefited anybody. In fact, I had one of the manufacturers, I won't mention his name, offer me uh, $20,000 to use their motors at all of my events. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I said, I can't, I'm not, I'm not forcing the tracks to use your motors if they don't want to use your motors. I mean, what, what, that's a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can believe that. I can believe that 100%. <clears throat> I think uh, Raw and Ephra do a lot of um, testing and approval work for companies too. So for like new products, like batteries and motors and all that stuff, and they get paid to do that. So that's where a lot of their money come from too. So like if a new stock motor comes out, they got to approve it or something like that and make sure it fits all the specs. I could be wrong, but it was explained to me like that. I'm sure they did. We, we did the same thing. Mm-hmm. We, we yeah, didn't do exactly. batteries. We, we did motors. Okay. So if you had a new motor come out, uh, we did motors. We did uh, road course, road course and, and asphalt oval body, body approval. Um, we, didn't, we didn't do battery approval. Uh, we, we would send out the motors to a, a lab. Might have been the same lab that Roar uses. I don't mm-hmm. know. And they would just, you know, charge us. It didn't cost that much, you know, so... But we, we weren't we weren't uh, approving things and getting paid to approve things. What if I told you that stock racing now is not stock and it's probably more expensive and more popular than mod and there are stock racers that actually make money off stock racing now? Oh no, I, I you're, you're not you're not surprising me at all. <laughs> it's not crazy. at all. One thing one towards the, the my last year, the one one of the biggest factors <clears throat> was that it just it had for the, for the racers, it had gotten so expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you go, you know, bat, let's see at that time, a top level set of batteries, you know, one set, um, eight cells was maybe, uh, $120 and you could use it. And, you know, if you were a top racer, you would use it once and then maybe a couple of days later use it again so it could recycle itself. And, and think about it. You go to a race like a velodrome race, the big with the bicycle race, the bicycle stadium, um, and you're, you're practicing. And I mean, the, the cost and the, the, and the tires was another factor. And it just, it just got so expensive. And, you know, and for racers to go to races and families, a, a dad and his son, to go and travel in the hotel and then the expense. And it just towards the end, uh, it got, I guess the, the batteries was one of the largest factors. It just got so expensive. And then the people that were winning everything, they weren't paying for batteries. I mean, their batteries were given to them. Now, I'm sure they are too, to this day. And yeah, I am aware even back then uh, there were racers being paid to race. No, and no, but they were not. This is just stock guys. Now, like they make, um, they actually make a commission. When they win a big stock race, they make a commission from that from their motor company. Some not oh, everyone, but top stock guys. That's what I'm well, it's, it's just it's just like NASCAR. I mean, yeah. it's the same. It's the exact same thing. You go to an event, you run an associated motor, you win a major event. I mean, that's advertising. Mm-hmm. People are going to run out now and buy associated I just motors. So I think like mod if mod should be the upper echelon. They that's still there's in mod. They're still paid salary drivers but everybody likes stock i think it's more the tinkering too as well what they do with the cars and they lighten them up and they have all this different stuff socks stocks big business for 10 scale big yeah. business um if mar did you ever communicate with them 
are being as they are the the overall governing body of RC, did you ever try to get officially recognized by them as a federation? I did. Yeah, I, I did for a couple years. Um, contacted them. Um, the communication was fine, but they just they weren't ready to recognize. They 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 said specifically there can only be one organization in the United States that qualifies for the world. Did that, what did you feel about that? Were they right? I mean, I could, maybe they kind of were, but. I don't know. Why, why would that make a difference? What if there were two or three organizations that, and, and you know, you pick um, 20 drivers from, from Norca and 20 from Roar and 20 from, Billy Bob's racing racing organization. I don't, I didn't know. I never, I didn't agree. I don't know why there just had to be one organization uh, in the United States, but I guess it wasn't just, I mean, the organizations that they allowed mm -hmm. whatever country it may be, I guess there was just, it was the same thing for them. So it wasn't like they were picking on me. It was just, that's the way they were structured. So in, in the UK, they have one organization that qualifies and in Australia, they have one organization that qualifies. So I, I didn't agree, but it wasn't that, uh, the, 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 the reason that I wanted to be able to um, have my drivers qualify for the worlds is because that like for, for roar drivers um, that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. If they wanted to qual they had to go to a roar event. If they go to, if they went to a Nork event, you know, they could still get their titles and whatever, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't help the ones that were looking to go to the worlds. Exactly. That, that's why I wanted it, but it, it never happened. I, I didn't, I pursued it a couple of years and then wasn't that big of a deal. Okay. So at what year do you think that, uh, Royal, I'm sorry, that Norco was at its peak? <clears throat> I would say we, we stayed steady for quite a while. I would say our highest membership and tracks was probably about year eight or nine okay. and it stayed pretty level. We didn't, we didn't grow, you know, a, a lot after that. I mean, we had the, the good tracks. We had, we had tracks spread out across all of the regions. So, um, we Maybe didn't RC grow. was only that big too. You know what I mean? I don't, is it, I don't, I don't even know how big it is now. One, one thing I, I do in, in, enjoy seeing though on, on Facebook is some of the guys that are like, they're now in their fifties. Yeah, and they're are. still. I mean, the good the good guys, you know, Tony Nisinger's and those guys. Yeah. They're still racing RC. It, just, it blows me away to I, see those guys I did it all this time. I would love to do a proper census on RC right now, but not everybody joins. The, nobody roar, man. They don't. Any time people draw them roars, when the nationals are going to come up, that's their big membership drive. The well, there was something that, a couple months ago, maybe. Oh yes, I mean more more than a couple, probably. Before we're, I'm in New Mexico now. We were in California, and I think just before uh, we moved here, which was December of last year, I had a uh, someone contact me. He found me on Facebook and asked me if I would help him. He he for, he said they were thinking about starting Norca back up, and I said, "Yeah, we can talk. I mean, you know, I, I can give you some advice." And I heard from him twice, and then never again. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and you're going up against yeah. establishment now. And uh, but um, what was the eventual? When, how long did it last? And when did it? When did you just kind? When did it start to decline? And when did it just like, yeah, that's it. I'm done. Well, the the events 
even even towards it, it, Norca was lasted for I was involved for 15 years. Okay. So um, the events, the turnouts, and that they were st- steady. I mean, the the off road nationals, we draw you know four to six hundred, and it, and it never really did a big drop off. The the reason what the drop off was me. I mean, I was mm-hmm. just you know thinking. You know, the, the money was, uh, it was okay. You know, I could make a living at it, but it's just, it's just, it wasn't fun anymore. And, the you know, the hearing that racers are being paid an additional thousand dollars. If you win the event, you know, you, you offer somebody in, in a national event, a thousand dollars to win their mindset changes. They're now going to be super aggressive on that track. You know, and and that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I couldn't prove it. You know, racers would tell me and, you know, and, and you know, I couldn't say, oh, well, you paid him. It's yeah, open. And, and, it's called contingency and it's well known. And every, even, there's even contingency I, for JQ Racing and other companies. We have contingency for all our drivers. You know, but the, it, it, you know, our membership did drop off a, mm-hmm. a little um, because it, because of the expense, not because of anything that Norco was doing wrong. It just, you know, I talked to, you know, like I say, with families that travel, it's just that that's, you know, the batteries and, and, and to be there for their kid to be competitive, you had to have money. I mean, t- to buy the equipment and stuff. And it just, it just, families just couldn't do it. So when did it eventually, when did you eventually shut down? So you did it for 15 years. So you did it till like into the early two thousands. Yeah. So I, I sold it, um, to, I don't remember her last name. A girl, a girl named Karen. Her and her, her and her father bought. She used to help me with uh, the, like a secretary part start of it. And then I thought she was going to m- turn it a little different. You know, run it in a different direction. And I, uh, I helped her with some stuff and whenever she needed it. And but she didn't. It, it died very very quickly mm. after I sold it to her. Very quickly. I mean, she would. I mean, like. For example, she ran an event at the, the, the big bicycle stadium in Dominguez Hills. And we, we had a, the, the, uh, bowling, the transponder system. I'm sure they still use that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, AMB. but you need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you need that to, to score those cars on them when they're going, you know, 400 RC miles an hour, you can't count them by hand. And she left it in, in the, another part of the, the state and had to have somebody come and bring it to them. And, and so it just, just, she just, it wasn't a smart thing for her to do for me. It was, it was good. I mean, you know, I got, I got paid to sell it and, you know, I, I helped as, as much as I could, but she really didn't ask for a whole lot of help. And I thought she was going to take it in another direction. One of the, the, the best RC tracks that knew what to do was racers Haven in Bakersfield. Uh, it's not there anymore. I don't think it's there anymore. It's owned by Martin Buchanan and he was smart. I mean, he, they, they ran their, um, their race, their local races. And then for the stock class, they would give you a motor and you would turn it in at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that, that, I mean, it was, their turnouts were good. And it was the cars that were run, they run equal. I mean, he, he was just smart. He was a good businessman. And it was just, that was just a smart thing to do. Cause that, that made it, fun for the families, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're like one example he gave me was, you know, racer, you know, and it happens. He accidentally packed up all his stuff and left the motor in the car and went home. So when he came back to the next race, they took the motor and gave him a new one, mm-hmm. you know, but okay. that, that type of thing, that was, that is probably even today. I know in my time that was lacking throughout the United States, the, the track owners, um, 
needed to be more focused on the the local drivers and and the families and and making events so mm-hmm. so it's fun and so it's not cutthroat and it's not super expensive and and he knew how to do that and and the track did quite well we held we held events there and he actually told me he said uh, he said you know he said I don't make any money off of Nork event he said I make more money when when I run my own events but he was a friend and and he you know continued to be a Norca track and run our events and they always went extremely smooth he did uh, off road dirt oval and um, asphalt oval I don't know if we ever did a road course there a asphalt road course but that was a that was a smart track owner well it sounds like also Norca kind of declined at the same time that 10 scale kind of declined like in, at the near the end of the 90s early 2000s 10 scale declined and that's when 8 scale boomed that's like i call that the attitude era of rc like i would say 2000 ish like 99 uh-huh. to to now like now what brought back 10 scale was brushless and um lipo technology so now it's so easy to get into to to 10 scale you ain't got to worry about you ain't got to worry about power. You ain't got to worry about batteries fading too much, right? Now it's all really? the, it, it is tires though. So what they're doing now, right, is they run on these clay. They just had the nationals. They run on these clay tracks. They take a tire. They sand on <laughs> this. Do they have a ghost tread? And that's what works best. I, I, they like sand them on and break these tires in with like a micro cloth. It's the, the tire prep is what's crazy. But uh, Ash, what's coming? what's getting big in America now is AstroTurf and carpet racing. They've adopted a lot of it from the UK and America uh, and Europe because those tracks you can set up in, in uh, like a church hall or a school gym or something like that too. And people just prefer it, prefer it. Like cars stay clean. They don't get really dirty. It's grip for days. You know, it's, yeah. it's RC's changed a lot from when you was into it, but just it, Listening to you, you're still talking about the cost of the same things. Tire tires, like you think tires was bad back then. I've seen people literally at a nationals with fifteen hundred dollars worth of tires on the, and they don't even know which tire they're going to run. And that's just a, a regular person at the nationals. And see, and that's what makes it hard for families. How do you afford that? I mean, you know. Well, now we're on this, and I. I, I I am like with this podcast. I'm more catered. I'm I'm into the professional side of racing. I love that side. There is a professional. There's a professional side of racing now, but it's not really professional. Does that make sense? Like we have professional mm. drivers, but we don't have a professional league for them to be in or anything. Oh, like that. okay, okay. I, and I we're not it, treated yeah. as a. We're not treated as. I don't. I just think like we have all these pros. We should use them to promote a lot, lot of things we could do. Um, it's just changed, but still some of the fundamental things remain the same. We, we kind of think, I want to say club racing is where you learn where to race and where people should get into RC. Use big races to showcase what you do. Use the club race, club tracks to get people into RC. There's no real federations in America. There's raw is very non-existent. They're there for their nationals and all that type of stuff. But when tracks and people don't want them, I think the federations play a big role me, in promoting RC as well and getting families there and all that type of stuff. So all of that's kind of gone from American racing and we're trying to get back to some of those things. Like I always say, we need to go forward, but there are some things we need to get back. Um, and federations is one of them. Like America needs a proper federation right now that's going to do something proactive. But 
Yeah, it's crazy. Like just listening to you, like the same issues that we have now. Costs is getting too high. Uh, too, too, too races too expensive to go to, and all that type of stuff for normal people. Uh, and then now you have it where these big races, the the club tracks suffer because everybody waits. Like, oh, I'm not gonna go race this weekend because I'm gonna save my car for next for the big race next weekend. So it's like a it's weird, man. It's it's we have all these races, we have all these tracks, but we still have not got enough people into RC yet. You know, so I'm sure it was the same problem back then. You always want more people. I I don't think yeah, RC. Of course. I don't think RC is much bigger, like numbers wise, than what it was when Norco was at its peak. Aurora. Well, the I thing that's think... important, the thing that's important to the local tracks, and you say the major events is that's their publicity. I mean, that's how people know that they're there. Mm-hmm. That's how they're going to get more racers in. But the the like I said earlier. The track owners need to be, I don't know, better educated or not. Maybe that's be, the wrong word, but they need to be. They, yeah. It, focus. They need to focus on their local. Yeah. Take the big event, take the publicity, but, you know, like Racers Haven, make sure you've got a, a regular following every week where, there, where people just love to come and they're not spending a ton of money. All right. Yeah. And now we have a lot of one off races. So it's just like a big indoor race. And. That's it. It's a track there at a horse stadium, indoors, guaranteed race, busy for three, four days, and then Monday it's empty. Mm. So, which which is, I I like that too, because for international people, it's a guaranteed race. You get to race, you know, you got to worry about weather, but it also is a detriment to the club track, you know? So, it's it's so so weird. Um, So, I guess you officially resigned from Norco what year? 2000 and... Two? Well, I've, I've had at fifteen to eighty-seven, and that'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, I'm bad at math. What did you do? Yeah, after, me too. What did you do after Norca? Did you was you into RC at all? Was you just completely burnt out? Did you just like go? What did you get into? I I, I really didn't. As far as RC, I didn't do a whole lot. I mean, uh, as a driver, I wasn't all that good. I couldn't really focus on the car and stuff like that. So yeah, I went to a few events afterwards, but um, I think. Uh, um, see, where did I, I mean, I obviously went back to work full time, um, for doing, uh, inventory control, which was my early background. So, but I didn't, didn't, I, I don't know if I sold my, all my equipment or I think I gave it away to a friend's son. I mean, they just didn't, didn't yeah, need it anymore, but I, I wasn't, you know, I, at, at that time, after 15 years, I wasn't really that gung ho on racing and I wasn't really you know, during Norca's time, I mean, what if when, you know, other than the, like the first nationals, I raced in it, my own, mm-hmm. but in the future, you didn't that happened very, very seldom. Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't focus on the event and be sitting in the pits working on my car. I mean, I needed to worry about wow. how the race was going and what the, what the, because a lot of, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example, which is I, I, I couldn't believe it. We had our dirt oval nationals. I won't mention the track, but it was back East beautiful track um you'd know it if i mentioned it and uh was it in north carolina home, I mean, it's uh i don't know i don't remember i'm, okay. I'm kidding but no i don't want to but a beautiful track and uh I, I, no i don't think it was north carolina. anyway super fast super super smooth the people the the racers were 
I mean, great people. I loved being there. And I'm, and they they had the, 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 the scoring system, the NBA scoring, bowling scoring system. And the, it, they had a closed off enclosed uh, scoring tower mm-hmm. and I'm up on the, up on the stand and I'm watching the lady that's starting and running the races and she'd start the race and walk away. And I'm thinking if a car miscounts, how is she going to know? You know if, you, if you do the printout at the end and it shows a mislap, how do you know that that wasn't a mislap? And I, I went to the track owner. I said, I said, I can't have that. I mean, she's in the, she's not watching the race. She doesn't know that the cars are missing the, the loop or whatever. So that, 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 that my point is the way there were, there were several changes I had to make at my events when, when I'm watching people like that, just not pay attention to the race. And then oh, that one, one, one big off-road race we had is the, the, we always used this, my scoring system and they designed the track. And when I got there, the, the place where they were going to put the scoring loop was after the, the scoring person. Mm. So it was, it was, they, the cars were already gone by the time they would have gotten counted. So I said, no, we're moving. That has to be the, the, the guy that's doing the announcing has to be watching the cars. Here comes cars six, seven, nine, and 12 knows what's coming towards the loop and make sure that they count on the computer. After they're gone, he can't see the car numbers. How would he know? So I, at my events, I mean, that's, that's an example of how I ran things. I mean, it was, and I never, nobody ever bitched about it or said, okay, you know, well, I understand. And they, it was, it was always fine. Yeah. No, dude, just, the, the, <laughs> they have software now with this, with these lap counting stuff you can do. It's so amazing. They have two loops on tracks now. And there's, it's, I think the last time I heard of a big loop issue was 2017 T-Buzz uh, Nationals win. He, like, didn't count for, like, the last 30 minutes, and they had, like, hadn't counted him. But it's so foolproof nowadays. You, it's, it's very rare to get loop issues, and it's so much. It's so crazy what they're doing. If you can have these different formats, and they have everything. You can, you know, like, you can sign up for Live RC, and you, you can have all your track's history of races and everything. You know, like now, like nobody even needs printouts. Like you just got your phone or, you know, and you're, hey, it's, it's crazy how RC is. Wow. And you know what? With all of that, we still run behind. Still run behind. Is it, is it the same company that's producing that equipment? No, uh, I believe it's the same company. And guess what? The one thing in RC that doesn't lose value is a personal transponder. They sell for hundred bucks, brand new, and they sell secondhand for ninety to hundred bucks. You you have your own transponder? Oh yeah, that's been uh, that, yeah. You have called guys that run three. Well, you have been out of RC for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I think having the transponders that you talk about that people used to use, like the that you used to borrow at the track, I haven't seen one of those in so long. Uh, but yeah, everybody has personal transponders now. It's cra- It's it's so much easier. No rate, you know. So every, every every transponder has a different frequency. No, every transponder has its own number. So it has its own okay. number. They these I believe the people that do it now also do um like full scale stuff too. So well, I know the transponders that we used to use is the same company that NASCAR uses. Yeah, well, I believe this is the same company, same people that do it. So now it's, mm. and, and now remember back in your day, you also had radio impounds. None of that no more. Everybody's got 2.4 gigahertz. You just, you ain't got to worry about turning your car on and sending somebody's car crazy. You can start your car up in the pits, everything. 
So that 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 makes it nice. But guess what? Yeah, With all nice. of this, I'm telling you, we still run behind. Like, if you're not good, if you're not a good uh, director or a good, if you're not a good hustler, races still run behind. Well, that that's that, I mean that's that's the track owner, the whoever's run. That's their you know their fault, not not the racers. Sweet. But that my my races ran on time. I don't care if we had 600 people. Where we ran on schedule. Well, like I said, there's a there's a big talk of starting another federation right now um, in America. I I at first I wanted that, but now I'd rather just fix, fix raw. I think it just would be. I think it was that you guys were able to do it after listening to your story. It was you could do it back then, but now it's just uh, it would just be so difficult and people. We would run into this, that federation would run into the same issues that you ran into with IFMAR. They would never get accepted by IFMAR. And that would be the, the one of the key things for people. Because that's why people go to the nationals. Like, like I think it's like yeah. top 40. They go to, they're eligible to go to the worlds. Um, yeah. So I don't know what to think about that. But people who listen to this story, it, it's definitely not as going to be, it's, it sounds easy how you did it, but it definitely wouldn't be that easy nowadays. Because well, I'm wondering if the, if the person that contacted me several months ago about starting Norca back up, I wonder if, if he listens to your stuff and maybe that's where they got the idea. Maybe they did. Cause I've been preaching that for a while. I've been preaching it, but I think we should just keep it now and just fix it. And that way you can fix raw and then you can fix if more. The, the, no offense. The problem is, it's just like, it's a very old guard in there and they kind of, we, we, you know, we're trying to make RC cool, you know? And any, any, do you know any of the raw official names? They're, yeah, names I do. Uh, yeah, Jeff Parker, he is the, uh, I believe is the promotions, and he's also the interim IFMAR president. Uh, Chuck Kleinhagen, who I've had on this podcast, is the raw president. Uh, another, actually Clayton Young, I think his name, or G, I think they call him, he's actually pretty good too. There's ve- definitely good people involved in raw. It's just that, we need to get some fresh blood in there and get things going again because I believe uh, America needs a proper federation, and I think that that can be uh, something that helps bring RC together, brings a little bit more organization to it, and helps promote it to new people. The back back in the day, there was the, the president of of Roar. Um, I, I don't remember his name, but he used to wear bright pink sunglasses. Ring uh, a bell? No, that's way before my yeah. time. Way before my time. <laughs> but I, I could only imagine the, the Facebook message used like some guys call, contacted you to talk on a podcast about some defunct organization that you ran back in the eighties and early nineties. Crazy. Well, you know what? It, it, it's actually it's, it was it was nice to, yeah. to 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 get your call, get your. It, it's because I, I mean, even if you go if you go on, you know, like I tell people that I just met or something, or you know, did go. Um, on the internet and Google Norca. It still comes up everywhere. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And it comes up in our conversations. And now we understand it a little better. I honestly thought that you guys built, did this to like go after raw. I didn't know that it was, this was nah. the story. So I, I learned something too today. I learned something as well. All right. Yeah, I, I was, I was amazed how quickly we grew in the first couple of years. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that would happen if something new started here too right now. But I think ultimately they would hit that that speed bump of of uh, Ifmar, and that would be yeah. That. See, I I don't know the the demographics now of RC, so I couldn't even give you my opinion. I I think you're right. It probably would be impossible. 
Sweet. Well, JR, thank you for your time. I know you got things You're to do. It was great chatting with you. Uh, you have a good evening, and thanks for coming on to the No Name RC podcast. Glad to be here. And if you have any follow-up questions or something, I'll, I'll be glad to answer them. All right, sweet. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Raceway, the home of El Paso's world-famous motocross-inspired eight-scale off-road track. The Showers family has over 20 years' experience creating one of the premier tracks in the USA. Their world-class facility has everything. Handicap accessibility, covered beds, skate starts, space for parking RVs, trailers, and lights for night racing. Follow SCRC on Facebook under Sun City RC Raceway for updates, upcoming races, or host your own race. Yes, and thank you to the Sun City RC Raceway for their continued support of the No Name RC Podcast. Shout out to the Showers family, Joey, Christian, and Corbin. Great family. If you are in the El Paso area, go check them out. We have the U.S. Open in October happening there. Go check them out. It is a great facility run by a great family who loves RC. Let's support them. All right, Max. So this is the SCRC Down and Quiet Now, we got talking to this a little bit back. We did talk about this on last week's podcast, but I kind of wanted to go a little bit deeper as it looks like it is pretty much the writing on the wall for OCRC. Uh, Orange County RC, I guess that's what it's called, short for. So, um, as I mean, they haven't officially come out and said that they're closing, but it's pretty much the writings on the wall. I posted about it, I think, last week. It got a lot of, it stirred up a lot of comments. And one stir, one comment by a guy that I've never really talked to, but I know his, he had, he earned West Coast RC was Danny Stokovic. So Stan, I don't know how to, I'm sorry, a bad name, very bad with last names. And what he said made a lot of sense. And it's just about the industry period. And, you know, we, we, we pat ourselves on the back and we, we, we like even recently, like, oh, Kimi Raikkonen just bought a, a ready to run or whatever. We do all this stuff, but we really need to step back and look at the real significant meaning of OCRC closing. <clears throat> now we can say, okay, it's an expensive area. <clears throat> SoCal is expensive, which is all, which is all true, all this type of stuff. But this is a facility that's been there for 13 years, and now it's not going to be there. They've had multiple Reedy Race Championships, multiple memories made there. You know, these this is this is like this is like I don't know losing a, a holy object in RC. I would want to say, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is RC racing growing, or? As I learned that I learned uh, that I learned in when I was a prison officer, are we just seeing cases like just increased cases of recidivism? So for people that doesn't know what recidivism is, it's like recycling, reoffending, relapsing, backsliding, backsliding, all that stuff, repetition. But we use we used to use recidivism as a word in the prison. So when basically people that like to come back to prison. You know, because there are people that actually like to go to jail. I don't know why, but they do. They go out, they they go out and they come back and or whatever. So are we seeing that in RC? Because we see this, we see a mass, we see a bunch of people that get into RC. We see a bunch of people to get out of RC. And then we see them trickle back into RC. And I want to know why is that? Like, 
is is RC racing in a healthy position, or are we still kind of just like ostriches with our heads in the ground? Well, you know, and just saying, look, we have all these entries and we have this, but it's still primarily the same people go into these races. So are we growing as RC, or are we just seeing recidivism, or are we seeing relapses, recycling of old racers that are coming back? You know, what is it? Like, I think it's a mix more of recidivism and old racers coming back. And maybe people that just get tired of doing RC because they realize, okay, I'm not as, as good as I thought I was. I'm going to get out do something else. Come back. OCRC is closing. Um, the church next door is apparently taking over the lease. Money talks and bullshit walks. So the church obviously has more money to pay for that facility than, than OCRC God has does. Spoken. I'm just saying, like, RC isn't... Like, if one of these facilities can... It's, it's a lot. Like, imagine the overhead to rent this and all that stuff. And even the hosts of this, uh, this segment, SCRC, the reason they're able to survive is because this is a labor of love and the tracks on their private property. But the amount of money that they have put into this track at, you know, in El Paso is amazing too, to make it such a great facility. So should we look at the closing of OCRC as a sign that maybe everything in RC is not in racing is not hunky dory is not as, as rose colored as we want as the internet and everybody will have us believe and we brag about entries, Max? Yeah, I mean, my take on this is sort of one track dies, another one comes up. Another take on this would be like RC is sort of a sport where a lot of things are ahead of it. So let's say for any property or land, Obviously, the first thing to build to it is probably like housing or supermarkets or hospitals or whatever. Second is like private businesses. Then it's like uh, hobby areas, community areas. You have, let's say, football in the top in America, baseball, then, then, then some other like sports activities. And then RC is way at the bottom. After like RC, it's like pretty much all is like wasteland. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> to be honest, RC like, on the totem pole the reason, of life. RC is buried about six feet under that totem pole. Yeah, I mean, like in importance of like things. You know what a totem pole is, Our right? society. Yeah. Okay. So, kind of, yeah, kind of like that. So that's why, as cities like New York have already been for a long time and California, especially the LA area is going towards like RC just isn't important enough to remain in that area. Mm -hmm. You know, that area, the space is being limited and we'll already kicked out everything less than RC. Now we start to start, we need to start kicking out RC as well. And obviously Probably OCRC could find a new spot. It'll be they want to, probably uh, more expensive. Do, yeah, exactly. Is it worth it? It's, it, it's, it's probably going to be more expensive. It's probably going to be not as good. The location is probably going to be worse. So, like, there really isn't, like, I believe in this exact scenario, it's that 
just the area around them out. Like they weren't fit for the area anymore. RC, like RC hasn't become big enough to remain in that area. And I think, I think this is more of that sort of issue mm-hmm. instead of it, it reflecting anything off of RC. Okay. Because in like I, I do believe OCRC was actually doing good in terms of like money. They were bringing in money, which makes it a profitable business, which means that RC is doing well. The issue is that RC, in terms of human like socioeconomic things, is really down at the bottom. Like people, people ditch RC first. And it goes in land, it goes in hobbies, it goes in whatever. Yeah. Like you ditch RC first, and then you start cutting from other things. Well, and a good example. And this is... also answers to your uh, to your uh, sort of the old guard coming back, or what, whatever you want to call it, like old guys coming back. This also represents that that pretty well as as well, because RC is the first thing they kick when they have kids. The first thing they kick when they have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, when they break the up first with thing a they girlfriend. Kick when they, yeah, or when they move to another uh, another city or get a new job, whatever. RC is the first thing they kick when they don't have enough time or interest in it at that point. And then when all of the, like the kids grow up or you, st- you sort of already have a nice living, you make mm. a good amount of money at work, then you're like, whatever, I have a lot of free time. I have enough money to run RC. Why the hell I won't just buy a car? And they will buy a car and get back into RC because they always – liked rc Mm -hmm. but in their life they liked other things more or other things just were more important and this is exactly the same thing with sort of this housing or well not housing uh, the um space situation where can you build a track where can you especially like ocrc like come on this is a very wealthy neighborhood in terms of like the whole of america yes yes like well, I mean, and having an RC track there in the Bronx, New York, they have a track that was impossible. Outdoor track, they I do. Yeah, it's called. I didn't even know it's called uh, Gone. Actually, I'm yeah, but that to, yeah, I'm but that's really a, impressive. Like that, they have somehow kept it there, but most likely they will have too. issues. Most likely they will at some point have issues with people wanting to kick them out, or they probably already had a lot of issues with that because. RC affects such a small small part of the population as a hobby because football is like even if you don't uh, American football or baseball even if you or your kids or your close family or friends don't have anything to do with baseball or football mm-hmm. some of their friends or whatever so you, you always like you always yeah you can watch it yeah exactly so and you know like kids do that in school and stuff kids don't like do in school P do RC they like mm-hmm. they do football or they do baseball or whatever. So that always goes first. And that's that's the issue with RC, like and we will never be there. Like even if we do all the things right, we will never be there. Even uh, any motor racing isn't at that level. No motocross, no uh, F1, like karting tracks get closed all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, motocross tracks get closed all the time. And this is just because they they are in the wrong space. They don't belong into that space anymore because the town around them has grown. Well, and, was OCRC making, this is the question that I like to ask. If, if it was successful, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Wouldn't you try and repeat that? Like, Hey, this is a good thing. We need to do it again. Or wouldn't you try and keep it there? So that's where my thing comes. Is, is it viable? Was it viable or was it just a facade? Was it just a, well, it depends on the story. If the story holds true that the 
renter just didn't want to rent it again. They wanted to give it to the church. Then, okay. Then, and Oshiharsi had nothing to do with, like, even if they offered more money or whatever, they couldn't do it. Then it's like, okay. Yeah. It's like, that was the reason. But if it's, if it is like they wanted to discount or the renter raised prices because housing around the area raised and they weren't willing to pay for it, then, then it clearly is that they had issues. And then it could resemble more about the whole RC community. But as of if the story holds true that they were kicked out because of they just didn't want them there, not because of any monetary issues or I think it might have been functionality money. issues. Obviously, I if think the was, church then... cannot pay more. You know, that's just like having, like, yeah. like having an ATM, really. I'm not trying to discharge, but I definitely do not go to church. Um, we went through this 500 years ago in Europe. You still have. Yeah. I, I just, for me, you bring up some great points and some good talking points with it's just so much, uh, like we're so low down on the totem pole of things for people to do. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the first things people ditch when shit hits the fan or there isn't time. Like you always see people I've, I have seen increased people that probably were just into RC, just saying, Hey, we're stepping away from RC. Now we're not going to do it anymore. And father son teams or just people. And I just wonder what happened there too. The thing is, this is what I like to say. My take on, okay, go ahead. I like to say you may leave RC, but it never really leaves you. I've left RC and always been drawn back to it. Now I'm back in it, like the thick of things. But I still think we're still, we're still failing to a point where we, we, we're still not getting the new people into RC. We're just seeing the recidivism or the recycling of older people coming back in or want people that used to race, like you said, when things get better. We need to figure out how to keep people it's hard, I guess, because you just—it's just not got that cool yeah. factor either. You know what I mean? When you really think, yeah. About so it. there's there's a few ways to solve it. The first way is to make it so easy, and like, so that you have to put no effort into it to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Let's say video games. You open your computer, start playing, and you can be competitive, have fun. RC, you have to have either a really close track or you need to have a car you load up the car with your rc stuff you drive to the track you spend money on fuel you spend money on entry fees you spend money on all this stuff you go to the track you uh you whatever you do you put your car together you break it like it's a lot of work so one way to make rc more accessible is just to make it a lot easier well that's not going to be easy and that most likely won't really happen and always to be fast you have to put a lot of effort into it and with video games it's yeah on a pro level yes but in a hobby level no because like you know in video games like if you want to be a pro obviously yeah you have to work for it but in rc even if you want to be a hobbyist you actually have to work for it quite a lot (laughs) dude it's hard man yeah so that's one one of the issues so we could take a route to try and solve that and maybe get a people from that way but i i think that will never work really the other way as you said is the cool factor so to make rc so cool that it's worthwhile mm-hmm. motocross karting uh a lot of motors pretty much any other motorsport 
that's more that's bigger than RC. Pretty much all of those require the same level or more money and effort and time. And uh, even some regular sports require a lot of money, effort, and time. And what draws people to those sports is the appeal of the sports. How fun is it, the actual doing of the sport? How much are they getting out of it? And then if they're trying to pursue a career or if they're trying to have a sort of a long-term hobby, they want to be like a state champion or something or whatever. Then like at that point, you need to think that the thing you're doing is so cool that you rather sacrifice other things in life for that hobby. Mm -hmm. And RC has that appeal for a very narrow audience. Like people like us. that appeal has to make... Yeah, for us, like it's obvious that you go out on a track in the morning and you leave at night and you do that every week pretty much. Like for us, that's normal. You leave for a race uh, yeah. like Friday night and you drive home Saturday night. And like stuff like that. But for us, that's normal. But for a lot of people, they don't have anything in their life with that much appeal. And if they find something, it's most likely going to be something other than RC. So pretty much what we need to do to make success from the, by doing this route instead of making RC more accessible is making RC look so cool that like people are hooked to it, kind of like with motocross or whatever. And it's going to be hard and RC will never be as big as motocross or uh, MotoGP or F1. But RC could be A little bit big bigger. enough. Yeah, big enough to like make it a, a little bit of a difference. And uh yeah, all it takes is just things clicking together. And to be honest, like RC will never have that like crazy jump and be there forever. It can be like, let's say if people are making now a hundred thousand, like the top pros are making like a hundred thousand a year in the future. If RC gets big, maybe they make a million, Maybe, but like, that's this, that's the, like the, that's like the craziest scale of right. all. That's Most like, likely, RC will just have a little bit more pros yeah. and a little bit more professional racing. But even to have that is actually a huge step. It's a pretty pretty big step to yeah, make. And that's why, that's why we are preaching for RCGP and stuff to do that because it takes a lot of work to take nominally a small step, but it's actually a big step in terms of the industry, I feel. And uh, yeah, I oh, I again went from a monologue, but I think I made some at least some good points. There. Well, <laughs> I think one person they were talking about federations, but I can say this for the RC industry: the RC industry is like a super tanker trying to make a turn, mm-hmm. and that thing does not turn on a dime; it turns in miles. Yeah. So we're turning yeah. right now. We just we just started turning. I think. We've just yeah. turned that wheel. The rudder's starting to move a little bit. We ain't yeah. fully turned yet. So we got to keep And on when that. all the other hobbies are already almost fully turned, well, not all of the other. A lot of other big hobbies have already made the full turn. We were quite a far away behind. Yeah, we, so we got to get small exactly, speed into it. Exactly. We got to make RC cool, man. We got to make it so like, hey, you could go to a ground and say, hey, I race RC cars like that. Yeah. Yes, and that's when guys will be like, "Oh, see, RC cars is awesome." Uh, they won't be calling their <laughs> toy cars then. Uh, and I think we definitely maybe we need to attract. Hey, you we know what? Females. We, we need, need to attract. Racing. We need to attract female. We need to have female fans. Then 
all the RC car drivers will be like super like liked people by yeah. female or female fans. Yeah. And That'd now cool. by, through the females, we attract the males. Yeah. This, this is because the females are most likely not going to drive. I'm being really, uh, I'm being really divisive here, but most likely it's the guys who can want to buy the car and drive and break it or whatever. So but maybe, we maybe we need to impress the girls. Fans, yeah. Maybe we need to impress the girls first to get the guys involved. Maybe so. we have thought about the wrong way. I never thought of it that way till you just said it, Max. <laughs> I never thought of it till you just said it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Are we, is OCRC a sign? I think I, now that I, the way you explained it to me, I kind of changing my thought and thoughts and thinking more to what you're thinking. But it's still in the big picture of things. We just need to make RC cool. Oh. Max, your camera died. Ran out of battery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is fine. We're, we're, we're closing up her anyway. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? Do, or do we need to have Max's idea and get more female fans that then in turn attract more male, <laughs> male fans? So that's also... That was a joke, by the way. Don't take that seriously. Oh, uh, yeah, come on. Most Probably the, won't work. Most of the stuff that we say on her is a joke anyway, so... But we do yeah. what we, we don't make joke sure about. this time. Yeah, what we don't joke about is the actual growing of RC. So, uh, exactly. I, I, we all have to be a part of it. We just gotta make it cool, man. We gotta make it cool. Max, thank you for your time. I know it's it's not that late in Finland, so you're probably gonna go to a party. You know, university life. It's gonna be hard to get you in this podcast from now on. Um, thank you for your time. Good luck in in university. Enjoy it. You've you've earned. The uh, the right to be a normal person for a little while. Yeah, to be a normal person <laughs> for a little while, like not getting up and going to a race at five o'clock every weekend and all that stuff. You know, you've earned that right. Yeah, you, you're well, actually gonna do exactly what we were just talking about. Like you know. Yeah, no, I mean I've liked it so far. Let's see. I mean, it's still a bit weird to be back in school. Like I had two years of working and yeah. RC, so a bit different but i mean i actually i actually kind of took the first few weeks as a holiday really mm-hmm. i i haven't had a holiday in like well since i left for the army like before I that i went too. to work i need a vacation yeah too. so no i mean yeah i mean uh i think that's been good and i last week and i was uh i went to a race at my old local track mm-hmm. they had a big race there last i won of the nationals actually and uh, yeah, I kind of it was ten scale, but I kind of kind of got uh, more excited about racing again. So probably gonna get excited during over the winter again. Awesome. Anyway, guys, remember invisiblespeed.net. Get those early pre-orders in, and you can get uh, the run through with uh, the pro guys. I know we said we was gonna do a live this week, but it kind of worked out where the people that I want to involve can't do it. So we will be back next week with a live. I will be. Testing these sour candies. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna put as many as I can in my mouth. Why do you always torture yourself? You always like these things are supposed to be so sour that they can make your mouth bleed. So that's always a good thing. Um, so we're gonna try and raise some money to to go against cancer with that. So join in next Thursday or Wednesday. I'll make a post. I'll make a post about that. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you to the patrons of the podcast, the NNRC squad. Without you guys' support, we can't do this. So please uh, share this podcast and make it go viral. Thank you to all of the patrons of the Patreon of the podcast. Without you guys' extra support, none of this is possible. Also, it looks like Max is gone. 
probably going to go party somewhere. Um, no, he's back. I thought you was partying somewhere. I clicked the wrong button. Oh, okay. I thought you was like, oh, I got another text. I got to go party. Got to go. Um, Thank you to the patrons of the Patreon. If you wish to be a patron, you can. The link is in the written description of this podcast. Also, big shout out. We have sponsors. We have advertisers of this podcast. We need you guys to go support them. Show them some love. Show them some podcast some love. And they are Mayako, Beach RC, TNR Fuels, High Tech RCD, Techno RC, JQ Racing, Sun City RC Raceway, Lugs Racing Tires, Manscaped.com, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, Donathan RC, uh, Balance and Charging Leads, Racecraft USA, RCGP, House of RC. We have links plus coupon codes for some of these in the written description of this podcast and link tree description of that. Please click on there and show the, these sponsors some love. In turn, shows this podcast some love. How much you guys love the NNRC and what we're doing. We're getting ready for three years of doing this, Max. Next month, we're cutting up on the end of the year where we're going to come up with the NNRC 2.0. We're going to revamp and do everything over and do everything fresh for you guys and bring you the content that you, the listeners, deserve. Max, anything to say before we uh, sign out here? I haven't heard anything about this revamp. You need to, you need to, uh, you need to tell me the news. But anyway, yeah, uh, nothing more. It was a, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was some good questions. I think it was good questions as well. Yes. Really long answers, but. Uh, I, I really like, I kind of like the long questions, well, questions that have a long answer. Because I you noticed. can talk uh, about much more and you can reach out to different topics. But yeah, yeah, I'm just enjoying life here. <laughs> Max is enjoying life. It's all about university. Partying. Remember everybody, Nitro is the glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. Not Max's bills because he's in university. Uh, <laughs> man, that's it. If you ate, what was that? I dropped, I dropped something. <laughs> if you aren't grinding... I'm screwing your outro. Yes. If you aren't grinding, you're sliding. Nitro is the glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. And yeah, remember, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Have a good one. Have a good weekend if you're racing everybody. Send it without responsibility. Lefty and Max out. Thank you for listening to the No Name RC Podcast. We greatly appreciate all the support and love from you, the listeners. Without all of you, none of this is possible. Special thanks to our patrons on Patreon. If you wish to support the podcast further, you can at patreon.com forward slash NNRC podcast. As a patron, you will receive early releases, special content and Patron-only giveaways. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, www.nnrcpodcast.com. Remember, Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. If you aren't having fun, it doesn't make sense. And if you ain't grinding, you're sliding lefty out. Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory.
wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs>